Hello, and welcome to a roundtable discussion on the Topic of Page podcast. My name is John Mayer. In this episode, I'm joined by guests for a lively conversation on a topic we hope you'll find interesting. In this roundtable discussion, we're going to be continuing our con report for Fan Expo Canada 2014 here in Toronto, Canada. Uh, we've already talked about what we did on uh, Thursday and Friday at the convention. So we're now up to Saturday. We're recording this uh, a little before 9 p.m. Uh, on Saturday back in our hotel room. We've gotten some drinks. We've uh, gotten off our feet for a little bit, which is nice. And... I'm actually going to start this with with uh, the beginning of our day. And when I mean the beginning of our day, I mean literally like at midnight. Shortly after we had finished recording the end of uh, the Friday episode, which uh, we were up till about 11 doing that. It was a late night for us. It was. It was. I'm, I'm, I'm lazy and I need my sleep. Uh, I'm old, actually, is what it comes down to. I'm not as young as I used to be. And really, one of the common misdiagnoses for celiac is chronic fatigue syndrome. You're just tired. Anyway, so we'd been chatting a bit, and really no more than just a regular conversation people would have in a hotel. So I don't feel bad doing that late in the night. And then we're in the hotel room, and we're, we're hearing this stuff around midnight. And I'm like, what is this singing or whatever? It's like, oh, it must be my imagination. I go to sleep. And then there's more noise. Apparently in, I honestly have no idea which room, either above us, below us, to the side of us, across the somewhere. Somewhere too close to us. Somewhere too close to us. Well within earshots, the important thing. There were a couple of people just having a grand old time. Now, if you're traveling and you're on vacation, whether you're at a convention or not, having a grand old time, that's great. Having such a loud grand old time that I can't sleep through your grand old time at nearly one o'clock in the morning. They were having such a grand old time that, and I, I checked the clock at 12.20, they had guests building security. And we did not call building no, no. security. It was not our in, request. In fairness, if I'd known which room it was, I very well might have. It happens again tonight, I very well might have. I mean, come on, it's inconsiderate. Um, so it, it really it didn't die down until 1 in the morning when they finally wrapped stuff up. It got quieter after security was there. But they were still in earshot. And again... I get people wanting to, to chat with friends till late in the night and stuff. That's cool. I get it. Being considerate of, of fellow travelers, uh, that's kind of nice too. Yeah, definitely. So I don't know about you, but I woke up tired. I did. Yeah. Um, and that definitely had a bit of an impact on my day. Not Again, not blaming anyone for anything or whatever other than would be nice if they were a little more considerate. Uh, I just was not as energetic as I would have liked to have been or, frankly, as I kind of needed to be for part of today. It was a short night, and I didn't sleep as fast as I would have liked. So we got up, uh, had breakfast, again, headed over to the Royal York, meet our friends, because that hotel is, again, just a block or so away from the convention center. Easy meetup point. We did that. We headed over. Uh, we figured out when and where we're going to meet at the end of the day, just because, again, my phone still thinks it's in Dallas. Um, so this whole Canadian roaming thing, not really working out for me, but it's fine. I usually go kind of offline during these conventions anyways. 
Um, well, and to that end, I want to go ahead and mention that because we're offline, I'm aware that I'm receiving the email of top 10 things you should be aware of and interested in doing during the con. That email is hitting my inbox 10 minutes after the convention hall opens each morning, which means 10 minutes after I'm guaranteed to be offline for the day. And I'm wishing that email was going out about two hours earlier so I might have a chance of receiving it before I hit the hall. It's funny because I'd been getting those two, the top ten for Saturday or whatever. But I, too, am getting them when we're back at the hotel in the evening. I don't pay attention to when they come in. So I was assuming this was the top ten things that happened during the day, not the top ten things to go to during the day. Mm -hmm. Part of why when I put these podcast episodes up, I have them go up at like 2 in the morning. That gives time for people's iPod or whatever uh, uh, podcast catcher they use to catch them, get them up, get them going. In their podcast, they can listen to them on the Monday it's released or on the Wednesday or whatever. And I get why they may not be doing that. Uh, and it, they may have no control out of you know when the program they're using sends it out, how long it gets buffered, etc. That is a possibility. I'm just sitting here wishing I had time to get the information, enjoy the information, use the information before I hit the hall floor. In this case, the one I received when we got back to the hotel room highlighted a panel that I'd been wishing I knew what time was at yeah. while I was in the exhibit hall. I mean, I get we're in the day and age of social media and everybody seeming to be always connected and stuff, but I know I intentionally am not. I don't need that much input during the day. Well, and fortunately for me, the people at the booth for the television channel Space, um, they have these lanyards with uh, cards hanging from them, and you get holes punched in them for attend a panel, get a hole punched, you get... Uh, two packs of five trading cards. Okay, so let me get this straight. Space Channel for sci-fi, futuristic-type television is using punch cards. Yes. Wow, that's retro. Yes, and I'm kind of enjoying it. Yeah, and that's kind of cool. And the story gets better. Keep going. Okay, so then they have these, uh, well, challenges isn't quite the word because it's really relatively simple. Uh, put some uh, selfie up on Instagram. Uh, share one of their posts on Facebook, uh, tweet a picture of your favorite trading card, and then show them your social media activities have been completed on your phone or tablet when you go up mm -hmm. to the booth. So I had to explain to them the first day that I'm doing this, I'm an American, I'm up here in Canada, and I decided my budget didn't account for paying for roaming in Canada. I'm sorry. And mm. bless her heart, the first woman I talked to looked at me and said, yeah, last time I went to the States, I felt the same way. I yeah. totally get it. And I said, could I do it on Wi-Fi in my hotel room and then take a picture of the screen and show you the picture? And she said, yeah, that's perfect. I totally get it. We're good. So I did it all last night and I dropboxed the pictures onto my tablet and I forgot, even though a very wonderful older brother reminded me, Dropbox does not always, unless you open the file. Yeah, it doesn't pull them down. It only had the thumbnails, even though I'd opened them, but then I moved them to a different folder. So I only had the thumbnails. I'm like, I got to her, I'm like, I'm so sorry. 
You can only see the thumbnails. And she goes, I'll squint. I'll look careful. Don't worry. I'm with you on this. And she did. It's nice when they work with you on some of this stuff. I mean, yes. you get what they're going after. And you're doing the spirit of the stuff and, and mm-hmm. trying to get the word out and stuff. And Space, frankly, is doing a great job at this convention. They are. And I want these trading cards. They're called the Space Deck. And I, I wish I could give them more than just two thumbs up for them. I have learned more about the TV shows they're promoting from reading the back of these cards. I have had more fun trading these cards, not just with the friends we came with, but we told strangers that I've met in the autograph lines and lines for the panels. And I genuinely believe these cards have accomplished everything they could have hoped to accomplish with them. That's cool because I think a lot of times there are these chase cards and stuff at San Diego that it's go here, get this, but it's... But this is getting me to interact with fellow fans I've never met before. This is informing me about the shows and about brand new shows I know nothing about, about shows I've been watching, Orphan Black, which I watch and love. It's got cards for eight of the characters, which I find fantastic. I don't watch Doctor Who, but I have a brother who does. Yes, you do. And it's got cards for Doctor Who. So I had fun trading with people to make sure I could give my brother the Doctor Who cards. Which is much appreciated. Thank Um, you. I know I'm skipping ahead in the day, but I went to the panel for Killjoys. And afterwards, I had gotten the autograph ticket for Aaron Ashmore and Hannah John Kamen. I'm probably saying the last name wrong. They had not yet seen their trading cards. And I was up towards the beginning of the autograph line, and I was lucky enough by that point since I had been trading cards with multiple people, Mm -hmm. and two people had said, here are all of my spares, use them to trade however you can along with yours and stuff. So I had uh, extras of one extra of Aaron's and one extra of Hannah's. Uh, So if you'll sign one of yours for me, each of you, I'd like to give each of you one of your trading card. And they were both just delighted to see I'm a trading card. And Aaron looked at it and he's like, wow. And he put it right into his pocket. And I said, so that's the dream, right? He said, yeah. You know, I don't get why between their agent, their handler, and more importantly, the people at these booths that are doing all these things to promote these actors, why they don't just, here's a goodie bag for this actor, here's all the stuff we're kind of giving out, here's what you can see, here's what to expect, because one, it'd be cool for them to have it, see it in advance, maybe, hey, did you check this out on the back, did you know this? I think sometimes they don't think about it. I'm sure they don't. And sometimes... Uh, some of the actors have kind of reached the other end of the spectrum where they've been given so much of this stuff. That's fair. You know, it's so like, I don't need another. That's cool. Yeah. And they don't know where on the spectrum they are. Yeah, give them the option. You know, opt, yeah. Opt out. You know, but it was really cool to see Aaron Ashmore look at and just go, not quite the I've arrived, but just the how cool is it to see yourself mm-hmm. on a trading card? And put it in his pocket. And he started to sign mine and he had black pen. And he noticed that he was wearing mostly black on the trading card. So he looked around for a silver pen to sign Smart. it with. So it would Very stand thoughtful. out. And uh, he 
you know, signal me over closer to him so we could talk for a second. And I told him we'd been up to Casa Loma to do the sightseeing thing. And it happened to be the day they were filming. And it was just really cool to see that happening. And I don't know what I expected him to say in response to that. But I was amazed that his response was, I'm sorry, I hope we didn't interfere with your touristing. You know, it's it's one of those things that for an actor to realize that their job sometimes imposes on other people mm-hmm. and to be almost apologetic for that is uh, very considerate of them because, I th- one, I thought it was cool they were actually filming there. Yeah. Would I have liked to have gone out in the garden and stuff at Casa Loma? Yeah, it might have been nice, but it was fun to say, oh, there's a, there's a live shooting set there. There's Aaron Ashmore. Yeah. I mean, because I've seen him. I mean, we followed him in, in Warehouse 13. He was on Smallville. He's done a number of other things. He's a terrific actor and stuff. Yeah. Nice to hear he's a terrific person, too. Yeah, he was. Uh, At the panel before that, each of the actors was asked, if you could take one thing from Earth into space with you, what would it be? And his answer was, my wife. Oh, how sweet. It's funny because usually the taking one thing question seems to be, what one prop would you steal from the set? Yeah, which is a question that, you know, kind of grates and rubs in a few different ways and not not well. I want to implicate you in a crime you haven't committed yet. When this goes missing, can we blame you for what? Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of funny. Yeah, and I mean, I totally understand the, if you could have one souvenir from what may be your ultimate favorite job in your career, what would it be? Or what's your favorite possible memento of that occupation? I get what the, I, I what get the, the core of the question, question is, yeah. too. Yeah, I don't think it's a bad question. It's just the way it tends to get phrased is kind of funny. Yes. That's the point that gets me. Yeah. Now, I started my day by staying over in the North Building. You went to a panel that I wanted desperately to go to, but it was opposite Killjoys, and it was a tough decision to make. So I decided, you know, there are times when you can't be in two places at once, so you send your brother to be your minion. I see. That's how you saw it. Interesting. Interesting. Well, then I'm not going to say a damn thing about the pit. No. <laughs> Actually, uh, this was the uh, the Nathan Fillion panel. He's he's always fun to listen to, seeing him on a number of panels in San Diego, usually group panels. I think this is the first time I saw just him. And it was funny because it was an 11 o'clock panel. I got in there right around 10 o'clock. It's like, okay, there's going to be a line. I'll get in the line. Oh, they're letting us in the room. I got a good seat. I'm, I'm happy. No, I am going to interrupt you to ask. You've, I believe, seen him during uh, basically the Firefly years, if yep. you will, uh, on the Serenity panel, as yep. I recall. Uh, I'm trying to remember if you saw him on the Castle panel I went to a few years ago. I don't think so. And that's what I'm wondering is, have you seen him since Castle began on a panel. I don't think so. Most of the stuff, I think, was uh, Serenity and Firefly. Okay. And it was interesting in a couple of respects. Let me let me talk about the pre-panel stuff first, Okay. Because it was about an hour. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that they had the room open. They let us go in there, file in, sit down. I got a decent seat. Not the best, but not bad. The room was fullish. Not totally packed, but- 105? Like 105. So the same huge room they put uh, Matt Smith in. Big enough that they were starting to ask, if you've got a, a space next to you, raise your hand kind of stuff. They did that about 10.20. Hmm. 
So I knew it was going to be a big full panel. So that's part of why I got there early. Well, and as we walked over to the building, we had seen a sign that had said that the Nathan Fillion overflow line would be here, which is part of why we had been worried. Oh, and we'd seen enough people in Serenity Firefly costumes. It's like this, it's a big draw. I get it. He's also got an active TV show with Castle. Yeah. There's going to be a draw there. We'd seen a lot of Jane hats around the uh, convention center over the days. Now, to the convention, uh, the the Fan Expo's credit, they had already put together a day one kind of loop of, of footage, you know, from the first day of the convention that they were playing ad nauseum. It played and played and played. It played so much that I think even the guy running the control panel was getting bored of it. Because by, by about 1025-ish, there were these fireworks uh, special effects going on them. Kind of like from the center out, there were these diamonds doing like a wormhole kind of – you know like how in Stargate or Doctor Who there's the wormhole thing? It's kind of like that or whatever. And then I think he got tired of that by about 10.30 or somebody said, shut that the hell off. Because it was only on the center of the three screens. And again, these screens are very clearly LED light blocks that are, I don't know. uh, I was in there for a panel later in the day. And the way I would refer to it to differentiate from San Diego is in San Diego, when I can't see the actor clearly or take a photo of them i can take a photo of them up on the screen and it still comes out quite clearly today trying to shoot that screen it came out very blurry and pixelated because of the difference in the screen this is uh sports stadium technology not tv movie technology in so much as it is uh led you know massive color different you know very high high-res-ish blocks, not totally pixelated, but because these are blocks that are then assembled together like Lego on top of each other kind of a deal, you wind up with these rows and columns Mm -hmm. that are, you know, maybe a foot wide and half a foot tall or whatever. I don't know exactly how big because they're far away on the screen. And at the edges of which you get really weird, not artifacting, but difference in brightness grid liney almost like uh super pixels if you will yeah or blocks of pixels it's it and having those screens was very nice when i was in the room certainly better than nothing i I totally appreciate them it was quite a help but uh in my case since i was so far back and off to the side when i thought well i'll take a photo of that to remind myself yes that's why i came to um no that didn't work yeah um by 10 40 ish Again, still 15 minutes till Nathan's going to get there. The room is packed at this point. They had this drone. It was like the ones we saw over in Petco Park in San Diego. It's got these kind of four stilts, puts it up about six, eight inches for the body of the thing. It's got these big propellers that are, I don't know, four to five inches on each side. It's got a camera. Ye new fashion quadcopter. High-tech quadcopter, bigger than the, the, the CrashBot 3000 I picked up at C2E2. Although, roughly the same size camera it looked like. Mm. Granted, this guy knew how to fly his, which was good, because he flew it a number of times over the crowd. I think trying to get the zoom in kind of, you know, swoosh effect or whatever, I'm sure he got some some fun footage. If nothing else, it gave a nice cool breeze when it flew over, and that was nice. Uh, wasn't too noisy either. Uh, very steady. So I'm, I'm hoping they use some of the footage for that for later kind of, you know, reels of, of highlights. 
Um, the host of this, uh, and I use host in, in quotes, which I'll explain in a moment, was Teddy from Inner Space. Same guy who did Matt Smith. I really am coming to like this guy as a moderator. He's doing an excellent job. And the way he handled this situation really impressed me. He comes out. He basically introduces Nathan. Nathan comes out and says, okay, I've tweeted everybody who's following me on Twitter. If you're not kind of a shame on you, not saying that, but now's a good time, you know. And then proceeds to do a lightning round on Twitter stuff for a few minutes, blitzes all that stuff. And that's a smart tactic to use because if you, as an actor or celebrity, want to get a, a question you know is going to come out kind of out of the way early, great way to do it. Mm-hmm. Just claim it came on Twitter. Not saying he did that. I'm yeah, just saying he claimed. Yeah, but yeah. Um, but then he basically, it's like, okay, there's a line over there. There's a line over there. Let's start going. And had already had people lined up. And basically, Teddy was just kind of kicking back on one of the other chairs, out of the way, doing nothing. Now, while you were there, I was in the Killjoys panel. And the panels that I've gone to in that room, I've gone to two now, uh, they tend to start with a video mm-hmm. for Space Channel. And then they run a sizzle reel for the show Airspace, which these three hosts are from. The ones I've gone through. Yeah, and uh, they have one clip from the show Castle in it. But the very last thing in the sizzle reel is Nathan giving a shoulder massage to Teddy. And Teddy's saying, I feel like I should be giving you a massage. And Nathan's saying, no, no, you're too short. It's funny. Because I didn't get that that, uh, clip thing at the beginning of either the Matt Smith one or this. Um and it was it, Teddy was was very comfortable just sitting there kicking back, letting Nathan do his thing. And you know there was I think there might have been one or two times where he he kind of came in to help out on something to go pick something up from somebody or you know something like that. He was there to help. It was not about Teddy, and Teddy was really cool with that. Let me bring you Nathan, kind of a deal. I like that compared to moderators who feel that they are part of the show. Well, and I get the feeling from all of these inner space hosts, all three of them, AJ and Morgan, as well as Teddy, that they're very relaxed, very comfortable, simply facilitating, if you will, helping these actors shine, helping them express in the best way possible everything they can about their show at the Killjoys one because it's a new show Mm -hmm. that's only filmed three episodes and the audience knew nothing about they had several pages of questions in case the audience didn't know anything to ask and they said as much and again with the Matt Smith one Teddy had some great questions that were Mm -hmm. very topical very good very Mm -hmm. not just uh, if you were a, a tree what type of tree you'd be or uh, what was your favorite experience? Not the generic or silly questions. It was very much okay. Based on where you're at, here's this. What about, I mean, specific to the actor. Yeah. And I'm sure he had plenty of those for Nathan if they were needed. Exactly. And that's one of the things I really respect about these three is they're coming in fully prepared with enough questions to fill the panel if the situation needs it. They've got great questions to intersperse with what the crowd is asking. And I almost want to say on topic with what the crowd is asking. They seem to have a good ability to read the crowd. Yes. Yes. To kind of flesh out what the crowd is asking almost because they they understand their audience. Yeah. Well, and Nathan has done these sorts of panels a while. Mm-hmm. He's a naturally funny guy. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, he did one of the things kind of similar to what um, uh, Alan Tudyk did in San Antonio. Everybody gets an autograph. And this time what he'd done is explained he's got a business card of this certifies you've met Nathan Fillion. He's got a series of check boxes. He thought you were awesome or all the way down to charges are pending. You know, kind of a nice, funny, sort of varying character for him. But he'd forgotten about those for the first few questions. Mm. So those people got called back up, made sure they got them, that sort of a deal. And by and large, very funny answers. There were a couple of times where he was very much pausing to do the signature kind of a thing. Oh, wait, what was the question again? You know, kind of a – and having to pause to come up with an answer. It was it was it, great guest always. Um, one of the coolest things that happened during that was one of the, the questions was essentially – he had talked about um, already he's got the prop – two prop guns from Serenity. One that's the foam, use it during the fight kind of a thing and another one that's actually weighted to where you could do the quick draw and all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. Because mm-hmm. that one you want to use when you need that and the foam would just kind of fly wildly or whatever. And the other one, if you're in a, a fight, you don't want to go knock somebody's brains out or something accidentally. And he's got those. He'd gotten a house that had a trophy case. It's like, what? oh, I know what I'll put in there. One of the questions was, because he'd also mentioned that that's about all he had from the show. Didn't have a coat, didn't have any of this stuff. Because he did not steal props. I'm not entirely sure how he got the two guns he had. So I'm not going to go that far. Uh, He did say which prop he would steal from Castle. And instead of the Ryder flak jacket, you know, a bulletproof vest or whatever, which I think would have been the go-to one, he said a photo of him and and the actress who plays his mom, a black and white one that's on the the piano there. Anyways, the question he got asked was basically for his trophy case, and the lady was from the company that was making the official replica jackets for Serenity, the the brown coats, would he like one? And he's like, yeah, uh (laughs) uh-huh. He's like, come on up, you know. So she gets to come up, puts the jacket on him, and he's like, nice, nice you know, kind of a – and he weared it for another question or two, and it's like, this is getting hot. So only another question or two. But uh, that was Abby Shots, and they had a, a booth upstairs uh, in the North Building, which I went to after the panel, or tried to get to. It was hard. It was packed. Today was very full in both buildings uh, on the exhibit hall floors and just an incredible crowd in motion – and my understanding is that uh, there was a long wait to re-enter the building at 3 and 4 p.m. And we were lucky to be within the building at that point. And that yeah. there was, it was taking quite a while to move between the buildings. I got very lucky when I tried to move between the buildings at 3 p.m. I had no problems. Um, going back just to finish off that yeah, yeah. stuff. There did seem to be a couple of times the wireless mic was not helping people out either on the mm. question side or his side, and somebody was clearly having a problem, so he kind of mimicked the mic cutting out. It's like, yes, I understand, sort of a thing. <laughs> Taking it in stride. He handled yes. it well. Uh, and it was, again, it was funny because he was very much the master of his own panel. Uh, and at one point, here was a question. He was kind of needing to stall for time a little, so he kind of puts his arm up on the, the, the deaf interpreter or whatever. Hey, how you doing? Kind of a thing. <laughs> you know, oh, nice. Doing a great job. Okay, back to the question. Another point, he's like checking on, on uh, Teddy. How you doing? Just thought I'd check in, you know, whatever. One of the other things, though, uh, that I'd forgotten to mention about Teddy, at the Matt Smith one yesterday, he was very apologetic that he didn't know the names of the uh, the deaf interpreters. This time, he made a point to know both of their names. They were going to swap out and all that kind of stuff. Again, kudos to them. 
The other thing I appreciated, this panel started, I believe, promptly at, uh, at 11 o'clock, and it lasted until about 10 afternoon. Nice. And I think if they could have gone a little longer, they probably would have. So definitely it went long. It went well. After that, I had the brilliant idea of, let's go look around on the North Building. I haven't done that much. So I tried to go find Abbey Shots. At that point, I couldn't get close to it. So it's like I'm going down aisles. It is wall-to-wall, people. It is a mass of humanity. And it's like, okay, this is miserable. I was able to kind of scoot past the Intel booth and finally get to where it funneled ever so narrowly in towards the exit to, to get to the other building. It's like, I want to go to the Marvel panel over there. It's getting to be about 1230 or whatever. That panel started at, or would start at whatever time it was going to start at. And, you know, just to make sure I get over there, let's go now. I took a couple of photos as I was walking through that hallway upstairs, and literally, it was a sea of people. I believe it entirely. Um, This was, and we were talking about how this, uh, I don't know if we did it on on the previous episode or not, but how there wasn't the the crushing uh, fandom that there was at the Bandai booth in San Diego. Today, it wasn't quite that bad, because that was literally crushing. Yeah. Yeah, this wasn't crushing, but it was just everywhere you turned, there were more people. And I was just amazed to realize how many fans have turned out for this convention. I'd been warned. Don't get me wrong. I had been warned. Every fan I've ever heard of will be here. I just didn't expect to see every fan on the planet in one, well, two buildings on the same day. And that's what I felt like I saw today. It got to where it was around 1230 and I was wondering if I was going to make it to the one o'clock Marvel panel in the other building. Now, what basically happens is you go up an escalator. Before I could get to the escalator, it basically goes around the Intel Mm. booth, doubles back, squeezes a Mm. whole bunch of people into this tiny little two-person doorway to then go up the escalator. Yeah, and then- That part took me probably 10 minutes. And Yeah. And then you go up the escalator and you go along this balcony-like bridge section. Over the North Building. And I got some photos there showing the mass of humanity. Yeah. Yeah. Then you go out and it's kind of a a skyway over the train tracks. Mm -hmm. There's uh, half a dozen, dozen train tracks. It's pretty Yeah, it's pretty sizable. And then you go down some escalators as you're getting to the South Building. And what someone pointed out to me when I was doing the reverse journey at three o'clock and i was just asking them is i've got a lot on both parts of this journey so yeah yeah but i was asking them is saturday normally this crowded and they were saying yes but what he mentioned to me was have you noticed that the there are three escalators and the middle escalator alternates direction during the day based on which way more traffic is flowing I hadn't noticed that. I had noticed a time or two that it wasn't functioning, and that was annoying. Every time I went, it was functioning except once the first day. Um, And every time I was going, it happened to be functioning in my direction. And every time I was going, traffic was flowing smoothly and quickly in the direction I wanted to go. I was feeling blessed and fortunate. and uh, I, I was not. I made it across the Skyway, which was very crowded, very packed, and you're kind of doing the Tim Conway old man shuffle instead of actually walking, which kills my legs. Uh, Got over to the other side, make it down the first set of escalators, starting to go down the second where you're going to pass the information booth, the store to go down another. At that point, 
the 501st Stormtrooper Legion uh, was working its way up. So every, oh, look, stormtroopers. Let's stop and take photos at the base of the escalator. Of course, because how often do you see a bunch of stormtroopers on a 20th century escalator? It was getting to where at times people were stopping at ends of escalators. It was getting dangerous. Oh, yeah. It's definitely a hazard. Um, but I made it past that. And then, again, I had to go down one more level. That put me on the level that the panel was on. And I realized I'm going down an escalator. There's this mass humanity coming up that's all on the left side of the hallway. And in front of me, there is this barricaded off thing for convention-y stuff. And I can't go around it to the right. I can't double back behind where I'm at and go around to the left because that's everybody coming this way. I have to go down another set of escalators over a ways, go back up to get back up to the floor to go to the room I want to go to. That was a little annoying just because they had kind of blocked some stuff off that way. Uh, by the time I made it over there, uh, it was probably only about 10 minutes before the thing was going to start. Walked in, the room was already pretty full, got a seat near the back. Not at, When I say near the back, I was in the last row of seats, and it at one point was standing room only. And which, that was Marvel? That was the Marvel panel. See, I'm very intrigued by that because every panel I have gone to, I had, there have been seats remaining mm -hmm. at every panel I've gone to. I have lined up for one panel, and that was because I wanted to be one of the first 75 people, so I would win, I guess you would say, an autograph ticket, because that was guaranteed to the first 75 people. Figuring some of our, uh, the listeners may not have been to some of these sorts of, of conventions or panels or whatever, maybe not even gone to any kind of a large uh, uh, convention center uh, meeting setting type thing. One of the chair configurations, and they've got a few standard types, is auditorium seating. So what they do is they take these stacking chairs, okay, metal usually, that interlock, and they put them right next to each other, and they interlock them. So you wind up with a row or of about, I don't know, a dozen or more, whatever, that form this solid wedge of seating, almost like a park bench at this point. But in theory, each one person can sit, is supposed to sit in each one. That's great if you have no arms, no elbows, no bags, no wingspan, no huge costuming, no nothing. I really think the people who need to be designing these sorts of seats, maybe not sumo wrestlers, but something more along those ilks than very thin basketball players yeah, or jockeys. I think jockeys are the ones who are currently doing short, you know, slim, mm -hmm. slender people. Uh, because you usually wind up with seats that are, are kind of inconvenient for people to use because, I mean, other people are not uh, – uh, comic book convention goers like myself are, are not known for our uh, uh, abs, our, our well, 300 workout kind of physique. Not even that, though. There's no place like you started mentioning before to put your bags. And inevitably at a convention like this, you have a backpack, you have a messenger bag, you have something – that has already killed my shoulder Yeah, and you need somewhere to put it and it's not really possible to put it under your own chair or under the chair in front of you. Well, and they pack the chairs too close together is the, the, yeah. the, the basic problem. There is literally maybe an inch between the two seats Yeah, and you need a little more elbow room, that kind of a deal. Well, and I do want to mention for the one panel I lined up for, one of the things that really impressed me about how they lined us up, uh, there were three 
columns, I guess you would say, of people that they lined up. And instead of snaking us around and around, they had us in three separate side-by-side mm-hmm. lines, all facing the same direction. And when it was time to enter the room, they let sit down which in the were, line. Which panel is this? Uh, Killjoys. Okay, Killjoys. I was to say, they weren't doing that in the... Yeah. Um, they let us all sit down in the line. I noticed that with the uh, the the ones I went to, Baptista and stuff like that. You could sit down and... Relax. And then they came and they told you when it was an appropriate time to go ahead and stand up. And then they came to the first line and they said, line number one, you may enter. Yay! And line number one entered. And when the very last person from line one had entered, they came to the head of line two. And they said, line two, you may enter. Yay! And instead of line two having to backtrack and cover all the ground line one had just entered, they went straight in. Uh, I noticed that with with one of the later panels where you could sit down and when the line started moving, it moved. Yeah. Up, boom, in. So there are a few places where I think their line management needs work. There are other parts that they've got down pat. Yeah. With the Marvel booth um, or the panel, panel, uh, it was done by uh, CB. so, oh, shoot, I'm blanking on his name. Sobowski, uh, one of their main editors. Great guy. Did an excellent job moderating. And he was pointing out that when he was going to have the others introduce, we're a creator-friendly company. Mention what you're working. If it's an indie project, if it's for some other company, mention it. You know, it's promote yourself. We're promoting you as some of our creators. We know you work elsewhere, which was really cool because they had some people who were doing some stuff at DC, some independent projects, whatever. Um, and it was interesting because... There were a couple of tidbits that came out uh, during the panel that I, I found very interesting. At one point, uh, CB referred to Wolverine and the X-Men, one of the X-Men titles, as a junior X-Men title. In the context of it's not the the headliner franchise uh, master, uh, 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 flagship title. It's one of the, the quote-unquote lesser titles that you get on and work your way up. And I get it. I just don't know that if I were an editor and stuff that I would have really phrased it as such. But I get where he's coming from. Um, he also said that Ms. Marvel, uh, which is featuring a uh, young uh, teenage Muslim girl as lead character, um, both the editor and the writer, uh, female Muslims and stuff. So it's got some authenticity there. It is the highest selling digital Marvel comic outside of North America. So they're having some great success with that. And again, I applaud the diversity. I mean, the other thing they mentioned is they've got, I think, what did he say? Nine, 10, or 11 titles that are featuring, that are female lead titles. You got She-Hulk, you got Ms. Marvel, you got Captain Marvel, you got Black Widow, you've got Elektra, you've got Storm. Um, and I'm sure there's a couple others that I'm totally blanking on doing it from memory. So again, they're doing a lot in that respect and adding a few more like Spider-Woman, which has gotten them a little bit of bad press. Um, Charles Soule, a writer that has been doing a ton of stuff, was one of the creators on there. Uh, He's writing The Death of Wolverine. You've seen the bags and stuff. So they're killing him off. The question question was not literally asked, but it was kind of, you know, everyone's wondering, you know, how long is he going to stay dead? And and he said that that they've talked about a lot of aspects of it, but not a single one of how do we bring him back. Yet he was also very upfront. This is a comic book character. I'm not going to say he'll never be back. Come on, let's face it, he will be, but... They've planned out at least through 2015 into 2016 with no talk of here's the story where he returns. Okay, 
interesting. We'll see how that goes for the various Wolverine titles uh, during that time. It was also interesting because he was getting asked, Charles Soule, uh, questions around uh, Superman Wonder Woman, which he's doing for DC, which again, they graciously let him answer. And he was trying to bring it always back to Marvel, but CB's like, yeah, go ahead, answer it, you know. And then somebody, because Marvel, uh, this Canadian convention, Marvel has done Alpha Flight, which at one point ran for 120, 140 issues, has had another series or two cents, hasn't always had the sales to, to keep it going. Deadpool's a Canadian character, a character that is Canadian. Wolverine's a character that is Canadian. They've been very pro-Canada. And the question was, how do you feel about DC's Justice League title, which is ostensibly a Canadian team that has basically a bunch of North American, you know, Americans, really not even North Americans, and one Canadian character that they've barely introduced this far, whatever. And they're like, ah, that's the other company, you know, kind of a thing. They pointed out it's being written by a Canadian and that, you know, Supergirl's Kryptonian, not really Canadian, you know, Hawkman's an alien. So it's like, okay, it's all aliens other than the one token Canadian kind of, you know, you guys have done better. Why can't they? And they're like, uh, don't know. They handled it well, but it was funny how many DC questions were getting asked there. It was very clear that Marvel kind of seems to have a game plan going into next year, about 12 year, uh, 12 months out or whatever, which is good. Uh, they've got, they, they, they had one of the editors on there, um, and she had some, some very good stuff to say. Uh, one of the things is they've got about 15 editors there juggling all the titles and stuff. So at some point I want to kind of map out who's on what and just see if I can be tracking that a little better. Um, but there was also a question around Superior Foes of Spider-Man getting canceled, Hawkeye ending, what do they feel about that, whatever. And they made a very fine point on these titles are ending, not that they're being canceled. And in some of these cases, it's done by a particular creator with a particular vision. And they're pretty much done telling the stories they've got to tell. Out of respect for that, let's end the title. If another Hawkeye title comes around with another set of creators, let's go with that. And on the one hand, I'm cool with that. I'm good with that. But it was very tempting to ask, well, what about all these others like Wolverine and the X-Men? where you end one title, start a new volume, and really, there's no difference. Mm-hmm. So there's a certain title rotation there going on that's kind of interesting. But by and large, they did uh, a really good panel. It was very fan-friendly uh, and well done. Now, my next panel was going to be in there, too. I was in the back of the room. I'm like, I'll just move forward. I just moved forward. I was in the front row. I was very happy. And one of their people came in, uh, the, the expo people came in, I'm sorry, there's a line out there. We're having to clear the room between panels. And that answers a question we'd been wondering all weekend of whether or not they were clearing rooms, because I hadn't known. They were, and the the next panel was the Batman 75th anniversary, and there was a huge line, longer than would fit into there. And it's like, well, I, I guess I can't go to that panel then. Interesting. I mean, I was I was essentially knocked out of a panel because I was in the previous one. Interesting. Now, I could have rolled the dice, taken my chances, but by this point, that one was going to get in so, end so close to when the, 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 Batista. Uh, but Dave Batista one was going to start that it's like, ah, it doesn't make sense. So I make the oh so brilliant decision. Well, I best head back to the other building. Now, about this point, I would have finished the, uh, Killjoy's autograph yeah. line, which was wonderful. And uh, our friend Linda had not been able to join us in line to get the autograph ticket. 
But I gotta tell you, the attendees at this convention are probably some of the nicest people we have ever attended conventions with. And when we had gotten done with the autograph line, we were looking for her, who mm -hmm. we had told, meet me and Erica at this time at this place, and trying to figure out, okay, all we said was the space booth. We didn't say which side, which part, Ooh, our bad. Bad planning. <laughs> yes. Uh, so we were kind of circling the booth repeatedly, like, okay, where should we be looking for? And we stopped by um, one of the booth employees and to show her that uh, Erica and I had bumped into the people making shield ID cards in one of the aisleways. And I had requested a new shield ID card because they had misspelled my last name. And the guy was very apologetic. And I said, well, actually, it was not you specifically who misspelled it. It was one of your coworkers. And he said, well, if you give me a hug, I'll spell it right. <laughs> so I gave him a hug and then he let me type my own name. So it's spelled right. Nice. And then I explained to him that we had no cell phone service and I didn't know where you were. So could I please have a shield card for my brother? I tried to make you Hydra, but he said that's not a very nice thing for a sister to do. No, it's not. <laughs> Might have been accurate, but not nice. <laughs> so he made you shield and uh, I offered no picture of you. Well, instead, uh, the picture I wound up with here was uh, of Captain America but without the mask and off on the side kind of almost cut off a little is uh, 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 Nick Fury, Sam Jackson kind of overlooking on everything. Yes. So it's like both Cap and Nick Fury need to keep an eye on me at all times. It's yes. like, okay. And when that came off of the printer, the other guy who was grabbing them off the printer and then supposed to look for the person to match the photo to and give them their card. Oh, you should have seen the double take he did as he's looking around going, huh? So that was a fun moment. So Erica and I got back to the space booth and we're still looking for Linda and we stop and we have these cards and our hands and I showed it to the employee. I'm like, I don't know if you've even seen this. It's just down the aisle. Isn't this cool? And she's like, oh, where? That is amazing. And she says, by the way, one of the fellow attendees who was one of the first 75 for uh, Killjoys gave us back their autograph ticket because they had conflict and couldn't get in the line. Mm. Do you guys have a friend who would like to go through the autograph line? To which we said, Linda is supposed to be here meeting us. We can't text her or something, but will you trust us to give her the ticket when we find her in the next five minutes and put her in line? And she said, sure, of course. That's cool. So it took us 10 minutes, but we found Linda and we got her into line. And she got to get the autographs, too, and she had a wonderful time. And while she was doing that, we went over to the showcase booth because we didn't want to just be stalking the aisles of space. Mm -hmm. And we got the Haven posters and we were looking at the Haven props. I really like that Haven has some of their props going around to the conventions. Uh, Nathan Warnos's business card Deep various and, driver's license and such yeah um the harker heirloom plate and yeah it's just really cool to see and in fact erica was asking me to can i explain some of the props i'm like well yeah as a matter of fact this one does this and this one is this and she was kind of blown away that i knew how they connected into the storylines and why some of them felt like they brought back such i don't want to say pivotal memories but i'm like well 
like with this one, because of how Duke can take the curse away from a family, mm-hmm. seeing the plate and remembering the tough decision the Harker father was ma- trying to make when his baby was crying and killing people. Well, I mean, these things are touchstones to the episodes, the yes. memory jogs, the conversation pieces. It's the kind of thing that, frankly, was a missed opportunity for Warehouse 13. They could have easily had a lot of the artifacts as as just, you know, uh, displays at conventions and such. Yeah. Still can. Yeah. You know. Um, so one of the showcase employees saw us looking at that and gave us a showcase pen and told us we could come later and get the actor who plays Nathan Warnos to sign our Haven posters with our showcase pen. And we said, really, that'd be amazing. But how is it a ticketed event or something? And she said, well, I happen to have some extra tickets if you'd each like one. And we're like, yeah, we'd love it. Um, her sister is wandering the aisles could we possibly because if we go through another autograph line without her i think she'll be homicidal (laughs) and bless her heart she trusted us another very wonderful person trusted us to give linda a ticket so when we got back to linda who had just finished that line and could hand her a ticket to another autograph line this is again why it's fun to go with friends it is because you're able to do these sorts of things versus everyone fending for themselves yes and you know so then we went and we picked up some lunch and as soon as we finished eating lunch it was time to get in line for the showcase autograph line and i mean they showed up half an hour late they were caught in traffic Mm -hmm. and we're not quite sure how that happened and um okay i'm gonna put this under talk about ironies the one person who had to leave before we got to the head of the autograph line was nathan warnos yeah that actor that's yeah that's ironic but we had so much fun because we got uh one of the actresses from lost girl and one of the actresses from helix and one of the actresses from defiance and we got to talk to each of them for a minute it was just really cool that's great and I I like getting to have that moment to find out, you know, where they like in real life, what, especially with the Defiance actress who wears a lot of alien makeup. Mm-hmm. What does she look like without the bald cap? And Yeah. Without the, 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 the makeup, the prosthetics, that kind of a stuff. Mm-hmm. And also just offset, what are they like? Yes. You know, how much is acting? How much is just them? Yes. And that's always an interesting thing. Mm -hmm. And how do they deal with what has to be a very overwhelming situation of having these hundreds or thousands of people queuing up to, in some cases, gush and freak because they have been so moved by the work they've done. Yeah. Yeah. And in some cases, they literally just freak out the fans it's yeah and i'm a fan too don't get me yeah. i'm not oh, trying yeah. to say all oh, those weirdos. oh no i am just not that kind of fan well and i honestly don't know how i would react if someone had that reaction to me so i'm very impressed by how gracefully and how well so many of these actors and actresses respond yeah. to the people who have that profound reaction to their work mm-hmm well, it's it's a sign of validation or whatever, but it's also got to be a very kind of awkward moment. Mm-hmm. And some, like you said, deal with it better than others. Most of them deal with it fairly gracefully, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
So, yeah, going through those two autograph lines and walking the floor, we really just had a very fun, high-energy afternoon doing that. And then uh, they hadn't just done aisle by aisle as we had Mm -hmm. in the South Hall. So I left our friends to do that, and that was when I made the walk back over to the north uh, building alone. And like you said, the escalators were all going my way. The walk was going my way. I had already made the journey over by that point. Yeah. And I had a ve- I've got a very different tale-, tale to tell. I had gotten out of room, I guess it was uh, 714 or whatever, had gone around to turn up uh, that, that narrow little choke mm-hmm. point or whatever on there to, to get to the escalators, go up one level, and it's it's a zoo. And they're like, okay, you know, we're going to send people over. Actually, no, I hadn't even gotten to that point, I think. I think it was – I forget if it was as I was trying to go up from the, the, the 700 level or the 600 level. One of those points, they shoot a lot of people off. If you're going to the north building, go here. Here's a staircase. Now, granted, mm. this isn't just a flight of stairs that goes up 12 feet or whatever. These are convention high, you know, 30-foot levels. Mm. So it's the equivalent of like three flights of stairs. Okay, I hike up there. They then shoo us back indoors at the level, which is where the gift shop and all that. And maybe it's above the gift. It's above the gift shop. It's where the uh, inf- moose. the moose and the uh, the information booth is. Small little level and stuff. And they've apparently routed us in on the downward side of, of, of traffic. And I'm like, I just need to go over and I want to go up. I'm sorry, you can't do that. What can I go? You can't do that. You need to go down these stairs to go up the escalator to put you basically three feet away. Like, you're kidding. No, seriously. Yes. Okay. Not happy about it. This is stupid. Go down. By the time I go down, loop behind that set of escalators so I can actually get into that area. Actually, I tried waiting for the elevator because at this point I'm exhausted. I've been hiking up and down stairs for a little bit. And I'm, yes, I'm out of shape. I get this. I yeah. have some health issues too, you know. Yeah, exactly. It happens. One elevator at that point. It was always, uh, it, it was slow. It took forever. Well, I the talked. The handicapped people need it. The people in the big cumbersome costumes need it. I talked to uh, someone in a wheelchair at the end of the Killjoys panel because they had missed the panel because they waited 20 minutes for an elevator. Yeah. And that's, I think that's a sign of how many people are needing how few elevators. Well, once I realized there was just the one, it's like, okay, I'm not going to take it. Other people need it. The, yeah, the exactly. strollers, the wheelchairs, whatever. I get it. So I then head back over to the escalator, which isn't functioning. Hmm. Had to hike back up. So by the time I get over to the north building, I'm I'm winded, I'm tired, I'm exhausted. It's closing in on 2.45, 3 o'clock. I haven't eaten since breakfast. Yeah, because I took the trip at more like 3.20. Yeah. I come down the escalator on the north side. And realize I, I need to get something to eat. There's a food court here. Now, what I didn't realize at the time is the food court is buried in the corner of, not even the corner, in a dead end alley at the end of the celebrity stuff, uh, between the celebrities and the photo op lines. So everybody looking at the high price tickets, do I want to get the photo thing, whatever is getting channeled through there. 
everyone who's starving is going through there, anyone who wants to get through the narrow little aisles in the north building is in that area. It took me a while to squeeze my way through. I see this long line. And at one point, there are uh, Expo Minions, which is what they call their volunteers, doing the stretch the arms out and form a barricade kind of thing. And I'm like, okay, blocking the food court. Because it's like, well, people are there for the photo op. No, I'm, I'm hungry. It's, you know. And by the time I get past those people, there's this long line. I'm like, what is this the line for? Pizza, pizza. Oddly enough, I didn't mind because I'm not having pizza pizza. I was going for the sushi place bet- on the other side of them. Get that, get the sushi, get the drink, which was uh, 12 bucks or something like that, which, okay, convention pricing. It wound up being good food, but then I'm sitting there holding, and I thought to get chopsticks. I'd have been very upset if I hadn't, but I had the chopsticks, the sushi, the can of soda, work my way back through that mess, back to the escalator to go down to... Uh, head down towards uh, room 105. At that point, the line for uh, for that panel was stretching all the way back to room 102, the theater. So I'm like looking for the end of the line. There seemed to be some confusion as to which line they were having to go into 102, where the line for 105 ended, and I'm seeing some seats. There's a, a nice comfy chair and a little table there, and I've got food and a drink. Perfect. This puts them one up on San Diego. There's nowhere to ever sit down, much less with a table nearby. Yeah, there is chairs throughout this convention center. Uh, Today, we were able to find seats for three at a table in the food court at 145. Uh, I wouldn't say it was simple. It took, you know, a minute or two. And some people at the table kind of had to shift Mm -hmm. one seat over. But it wasn't impossible. Yeah. Which is, again, better than the typical experience of San Diego where you end up giving up because there are so many people. Well, and I wind up over, you know, sitting in very direct eye line of, of the uh, the John Bassett Theater, which is room 102, uh, with clear visibility to the, the end of what turned out to be the line for uh, for 105, the Constitution Hall. Have a nice, you know, comfortable place to, to sit and eat. And as I'm doing that, people are just like, you know, looking behind, uh, I'm nearby where one of the maps of the building is. And people are like, where is room 102? I don't see 102 anywhere. It's not listed on the map. Where is it? I'm like, it's, it's right in front of you. It's, it's this theater here. It's just not named as such. So there's some stuff they could do with the signage and stuff and the way they, they label the panels that could make things a bit clearer. Um, there's, I, there's a lot to be said for once you understand. Yes. Things become easier. Um, when I went into the Bautista panel, I went into room 106, but it was in room 105 because the two rooms together are Constitution Hall, apparently. I wasn't paying that much attention. I'm sure that is the case. For me, I wound up getting it to what I was told was the end of the line, but apparently it doubled back towards the escalators. So maybe I wasn't truly at the end of the line, but I was where I was told I could be. And then the thing just streamed in. I got an excellent seat. I was about a little past the halfway points. There was the, the, the one aisle in front of me by a couple of rows. I was on an edge seat, had a great line of sight. And that was a, a great panel. I got there at what I thought meant I was maybe 10 minutes late. Um, the panel was very short considering how late I showed up. It started five minutes early. 
and I thought it was a full hour panel. I clearly have not learned how to read in the schedule how long panels are. I was assuming it was an hour long, too. Um, so for me, it felt very short. I was in the back row. I could have moved further forward, but in the back row seat I had, I could stand up without blocking people and try and take some Were photos. Were you there when he got on stage? No. Okay. He gets on stage. First thing, it's him and, and somebody else who turned out to be his manager, who he's known for ages, good friend of his or whatever, which is cool. And he's like, yeah, apparently I was supposed to bring a moderator. Who knew? <laughs> okay. So we're just going to kind of go with this. It's like, I don't really have any clips or anything to show. It's, is it okay? We go to Q&A. Okay, great. And he's looking in the center aisle. There's like no mic and stuff. Because, I mean, a lot of panels, that's how it is. A lot of conventions, mm-hmm. wizard conventions and such. So he's like, uh, do we have a mic for the thing? And at which point it turns out, okay, they've got the stage and on the far right and on the far left of it, they've got mics angling out to where they're not blocking the, uh, the, the audience, which is very thoughtful. But it also does mean that people like him or Matt Smith or, or uh, Nathan Fillion wind up doing almost the tennis match thing where they're facing one degree uh, one angle answering that question, turn 180 degrees, putting their back to those people to face the other people that they just had their back towards. When I... Flipping and flopping. When I got there, it kind of looked like, for lack of a better term, he had his feet on the ground and he was sitting on the platform of the stage. What had happened by that point is he'd noticed that thing. He's like, yeah, it's not working out. Is this really my panel? Can I do what I want? And kind of got the... Either got the go-ahead or just took the go-ahead. And basically, it's like, uh, he's got a mic. I'm just going to come down and walk amongst you like an old talk show kind of a thing. Very much man of the people sort of a deal. So at first, he's going to people doing the whole lean the mic in. Then they get another mic that his manager or his uh, agent or whatever the guy was, um, his buddy could could do. Uh, did that for a couple face-to-face kind of a deals. And then he said, okay, I'm just going to go sit on the edge of the, the stage there and his buddy – just made a circuit through the room, covered a, a fair amount of it, actually. And it was funny because Dave then had to be finding, okay, where'd the mic go this time? Yeah. Well, and the part of the panel I caught, I really enjoyed. I mean, I went to the panel. I have no interest in wrestling, openly I've admits that. i none whatsoever. I know nothing about it. Exactly. Uh, but I really enjoyed Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm-hmm. If you haven't listened to our podcast on it, please do. Uh, and go see the and, movie first. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, but having seen him in Guardians of the Galaxy, I was curious, how does he come across in person? I certainly did not expect him to come across like his character. But as a wrestler, I mean, yeah. you don't think of uh, – I was going to say you don't think of athletes as articulate. That's not true because I think athletes fall in a couple of categories. They run the gamut. There are some that you listen to them on the, the sports interviews or whatever, and it's like, wow, this guy's a genius, and he's, he's very athletic. That's awesome. There are others that are doing good to string a sentence together. And with a, uh, a wrestler or a boxer or something that involves a physical contact, football player, they can get concussions. They can do that exactly. kind of stuff. There, there's definite health hazards that can seriously impact can you – really coherently and intelligently answer questions. There are some that go on to become lawyers and things like that. And there are some like Junior Seau, who had one concussion too many and tragically suffered the consequences of it. And that's essentially one incident 
that makes that difference. Yes. And not knowing this guy, not knowing really anything about wrestling, how dangerous is it, what moves do they do, that kind of stuff. I didn't know what to expect. That's why I wanted to go to this panel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this guy not only was, was gee, he's articulate, which almost sounds a little arrogant to say that about somebody. Yeah. And that he was giving great answers. And the one thing he didn't do almost ever, although maybe once or twice, was ask if he had answered the question. He wasn't one of these that, oh, you've asked a question. Let me go through my Rolodex of anecdotes. Here's a, an appropriate one. Let me tell it. Let me circle it back. Which uh, is sometimes how it feels for some of these other people. And some of them are brilliantly funny when they do it, too. This guy actually gave some thought, gave some really good answers. Very coherent. was very clear that, yes, I feel I've answered the question. and Let's move on, you know, kind of a deal. Well, a kid near the end asked... If he went back into wrestling, would Bautista be a good guy or a bad guy in the ring? And one of the interesting things he said, because they had brought the kid up close enough that the kid could, you know, be probably... Essentially be on camera for the, yes. the, the screens. Yeah. So the kid was probably, what, 15 feet from him, if that. And, and he, young. And yeah, he was quite young. And he's looking straight at the kid. And he, he says, you know... That's a situation where being the villain is fun mm-hmm. and it gives you more latitude, if you will. And he looked right at the kid and he said, and don't feel bad if you boo me. It's okay. Well, and he's like, it's it's ironic because he feels he's the type of guy who'd be the most likely to, to give you the shirt off his back. Yet people love to hate him. So he's, he's cast as the bad guy. That's just the way it is. It's, you know. Mm-hmm. It's kind of cool with him, but it's also something he seems a little funny with. He had also made enough references when somebody was asked, how do you get into pro wrestling or what about this? What about that? And what did you learn from somebody who I guess was one of his mentors in the wrestling uh, 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 industry uh, about the whole psychology of wrestling? Yeah. How there are these various moves. And he was very much, yeah, we all do the same moves. There's nothing special about that. Somebody else is doing one of his signature moves. Yeah, they're doing it better than I did. Whatever. Very cool about that. But how – there was this one guy, and I forget what his name was, because, again, not a wrestling fan. I'm sure some listeners are and would know what it is. And how this guy just – you string these moves, you do this, you string these together, and it's – you orchestrate this sort of a thing. You get this reaction out of the crowd. This is what happens. And how to not treat it like a dance or a ballet or, or an orchestra or a mus- musical piece, but how this form of entertainment – has semantics, has a language, has a psychology. Mm-hmm. And he was very much saying, because the question was, well, what did you learn from this guy? And he's like, I could go on for a long time on this. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's got me curious about that aspect of stuff. Mm-hmm. And it was a surprisingly short panel. He started maybe about five minutes early, uh, so about 325. But by four o'clock, it was over. It was done. Yeah. And I was a little disappointed with that. So was he. Yeah. Yeah, this was not, okay, I'm out, you know, kind of a, they're telling me I got to wrap it up. He, in fact, when they told him it was the last question, he flow said, really? Yeah. It's flown by so quickly? Yeah, he and was surprised. He, he got them to let him do two more questions, so I'm very grateful for that. Mm-hmm. He was excellent guest at that thing, did a mm-hmm. very great job. I don't think he was coached when he went, before he went out on, here's where the mics are, here's where the Q&A thing, here's the setup. And I think somebody should have done that. I think that's something that a lot of conventions don't do, and I wish they did. I think the average convention doesn't 
think to tell people before they go on stage what the setup they're walking into is? As a podcaster, um, I don't really particularly enjoy doing interviews. I've done them a number of times. I can do them decently, I think. But one of the things I always try to do before doing that is spend a few minutes on Skype with the person, do the icebreaker type stuff, and all ages podcast, don't want to have profanity. Here's the, here are the ground rules of this venue. Here's what to expect. If this happens, let's deal with it this way. I'm going to be on one channel or the other. I can do the, here's the lay of the land, the lay of the land. And if they want to go one way, I want to go another, we can figure that out. Or if they have certain things they want to get in, whatever. And again, if I were running a convention or prepping somebody, not even if I was running, if I was just running the room, Hey Dave, you're going to have this. We've got a mic over here, mic over here. Does that work for you? Oh, you want to do this kind of a thing? Great. We've got some guys. We can have them be runners. Oh, Edward James almost. You want to do the one to to 10? We're going to have it. Great. Okay. You and you with the mics. Here's what we're going to do. You're taking even. You're taking odd. Let's go with this. Do a little advance, not even advanced planning, but a little coordination. It takes 30 seconds. Man, you get stuff going. Well, going back to the uh, Killjoys panel, the way they had the four microphones set up, it was such that two of the actors would share, one actor would have his own, and each of the airspace hosts would have their own microphones. Mm -hmm. And once the actors were up on the stage after the first question, the airspace hosts looked at the mics up and they're like, "Mm mm-mm. And they pushed one of their microphones over to Aaron Ashmore and encouraged him to nudge his microphone over to Hannah in the middle. So the airspace hosts, who are used to sharing a microphone anyways, could share a microphone between them and each of the actors could have their own. Convention setup. This is one thing I've never understood. When I'm on a panel at San Diego, when I go to a panel at any convention, there are four or five guests and three microphones. Mm Mm-hmm horrible setup it happened in the marvel booth there were too many people for the microphones these microphones that we're recording on right now i mean i've invested a little in the the hardware for the 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 podcast this year um we're recording into a a zoom h5 digital uh personal handy recorder thing we've got two xlr microphones they are at 25 uh 2005 uh, usb microphones cost like 50 bucks Uh, xlr input whatever they are perfectly fine mics. Are they top, top of the line? Oh, hell no. I'm too cheap for that. Well, and the uh, Zoom has a total of four inputs. So I can be see being limited by you can only have four microphones. But they've got soundboards at the, these things. Mm-hmm. So they should be able to have plenty of, of, of line inputs and such. And if you don't have a, a, a soundboard for this kind of a thing that can handle six or eight or whatever... Maybe you need a new soundboard. But my point is the microphones themselves. Oh, I agree. You're talking agree. under $100 uh, expense. Mm-hmm. You've only got so many rooms. It's well worth doing and it makes a much better experience. Mm-hmm. For that matter, the wireless mics, uh, I mentioned this uh, on a number of the panels we talked about uh, for this, this show, they would cut in and out. Enough so that uh, Nathan Fielding even joked about it at one point. Yeah. And it's funny. It's It's whatever, but... It's not that big of an investment to be making just to make sure you've got the, the, the proper audio set up. And again, those interspace guys doing that, that shows what kind of pros they are. Everything mm-hmm. I've, I've seen and, and uh, heard about them, 
I've been very impressed. Well, and yet again, you know, I was saying earlier, I wish we got Showcase. I now wish we got Space Channel. I would love to be able to watch the airspace episodes and footage coming out of Fan Expo. They were filming throughout the Killjoys panel. They were filming interviews down in the booth with the Killjoys actors before the autograph signing. Are they going to put any of that up on the website? I need to look. I need to find out what their YouTube channel is. If they have one, these are things I need to look into. If any of our listeners are uh, native Canadians or not even native, if you happen to be living in Canada and know these things that us silly foreign Americans don't, please let us know. Because, again, very impressed by uh, a lot of a lot of these things. Um, My couple of takeaways from today They've got a lot of people in the fan expo shirts that have expo minion on the back. These are the people kind of volunteering, I assume, or maybe they're, I assume they're volunteers. Maybe they're not, but they're helping to coordinate. They're doing the line management. By and large, they're very helpful, very friendly. They may not be the best informed as but to go up, go down, go left, go right. They're so nice and so polite as they try to help. They're doing the best. They're clearly trying to help. They're doing the best job mm-hmm. they can. There may be a couple of hiccups here and there. Certainly with the the traffic management today, there were tons. There were huge crowds. It was Saturday. Yeah. This is undoubtedly the busiest day of the convention. Probably, not probably, quite possibly as busy as at least two of the other three days combined. Um, My One of my takeaways is if you have social media access, et cetera, on your phone, definitely be following Fan Expo Canada on Twitter. Apparently, they were using it to inform people when entrances to the building were shut down because they were having to check how full is the building, uh, whether or not they were selling uh, wristbands outside anymore because they had reached the maximum tickets for the day, et cetera. If you're on Twitter, if you're following that, be it at this convention or any other, keep in mind that not everybody is. Yes. Share that information as appropriate. Yes. If you overhear people saying, gosh, I wonder what's going on, grumble, 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 it very well may be somebody like myself who's just Twitter illiterate or just not doing that on their cell phone. Hey, I heard this on Twitter. Here's what's going on. Help them out. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, it serves well, everybody. To that end, uh, when I was waiting in the line for Killjoys at about 1030 this morning, uh, one of the locals heard me telling a friend, you know, I might leave and have a meal and try and come back for a panel. And he mentioned in a previous year, people who had left for a meal couldn't get back into the building because there was a problem with occupancy having been reached. So just be aware on occasion that happens. He didn't know would that or not happen this year. I was overhearing somebody today saying that there was an hour long reentry process. And the problem with that is he had mentioned to the person he was talking to as I was walking by. And I knew firsthand they were telling people, you want to get from building to building, go outside, go around, re-enter. I mean, they were, when I was coming back to the North building, they were telling people going to the South, this is a 25 minute process. It's a five minute walk if you go out and go down. And then of course, if you're thinking, yeah, but now an hour to get back in, if I can get back in, it's a catch 22. It, it yeah. It's a problem. So yeah. they have huge crowds uh, today. I didn't think that was really a problem uh, the last two days. I'm really curious about tomorrow because mm-hmm. I still haven't gone through uh, Artist Alley. Mm-hmm. And frankly, if it's a zoo, I may not. Um, yeah. I tried to go through the North Hall today. 
It was wall-to-wall people. It was a miserable experience. Some of that is their Fright Fest or whatever they call the horror section. A lot of it's cosplay, a lot of it's gaming. So if I don't make it through, I don't make it through. I'll live. Um, it's the uh, Festival of Fear there is what they go. call it. I thought the whole go up a couple of flights of stairs to go down a flight of stairs to go up a flight of stairs. And again, these are like 30 foot tall, uh, you know, yeah. high, I mean, the equivalent two or three flights of, of normal stairs in the building. Absolutely ridiculous. Utterly annoying and uh, very tiring. I don't know that there's any one particular person to blame. I think it's an unfortunate situation. I think it's an aspect of the traffic flow and the volume of people. It's part of the nature of the venue being multiple floors, et cetera, et cetera. Some of it's the nature of the venue. Some of it is where they chose to put some stuff that created some choke points. I think there are things they could have done to alleviate some of the traffic flow. There are other things you're right. They're stuck. They got no choice. I get that. That's unfortunate. And anyone who ever happens to be building a convention. Yeah, really. Think about it. It's not just in terms of people are going to be sitting in these rooms all day, but you're going to have these kinds of conventions where people are going to be walking from room to room, building to building a lot, Mm -hmm. building better better, uh, systems for that. Um, The food court in the north building being buried again behind the the celebrity, you know, stuck in an alley between the celebrity wall of people and the photo ops, utterly ridiculous. Well, and it's the opposite situation over in the South Hall where the there are basically uh, separate entrances that go into the food courts. Mm-hmm. And that actually worked out very nicely for us because we ate in the food court on one side, the side over by our Sally. And then we wanted to go over to showcase on the opposite side to get the autographs. So you could just cut through the lobby. Exactly. So for us, the fact that each food court had an entrance slash exit meant that we could just blow through the lobby instead of having to cross the entire exhibit hall. It was fantastic. Well, and this is a case where the layout of the North Building is not conducive to this sort of a thing because where the escalators are, where a lot of the things Mm – I think they could do a better layout. I think if they'd put the gaming stuff maybe in that area and moved – the photo op over to where the fear stuff is. I think there's some stuff they could have juggled, but I don't know. It was, it was a little frustrating. It made getting lunch uh, a lot more trouble and a lot more waiting through people than, than I now, liked. The flip side, again, is I want to thank Aha Sushi. Yes. For existing, or Aso, sorry, Aso yes. Sushi, for having gluten-free sushi in the building, on the premises, Uh I mean, if they didn't have a gluten-free lunch, if the smoothie place didn't have gluten-free, dairy-free smoothies, we would be having to leave the building. Yeah. As much as I complain about where they put the food court yeah. and a few things like that, it is plenty of seating. Yes. It's got reasonable prices for a convention center. It's got a really good selection of food. A lot yeah. of people seem to be very happy with the pizza. Well, um, we were talking earlier with our friends. There's a place that's got crepes. Um, We've got a sushi place, a crepe place, a pizza place, a barbecue place, a hot dog place. A bakery place that I cannot uh, think of the name. Something in Clive. I I know the one you're talking of. I can't name it either. 
I can't name it, but oh, it made me wish I could still eat gluten. No, no, no. Clive is the second name. That's the one you're thinking of. I'll look at the name tomorrow. But anyways, it was one of those menus that you just look at and you go, wow, I wish I wasn't gluten free. They've got a good selection of stuff. And people seem to be, you know, I'm not going to say it's, they're overjoyed and oh my God, only come for the food. But I saw one person who had brought an insulated cooler full of their lunch and enough food that they could also eat dinner out of it. And the guy was looking at the food we had all bought for our lunch and he purposely devoured everything at lunch so that he would, oops, have to buy dinner in the convention center. That's funny. (laughs) we did the walk between the buildings the first day it took maybe seven minutes today easily 30 minutes yeah um and it's a little frustrating with some of the panels being in one building and the big draws being in the other building and again the layout of the buildings where the size of the rooms are i get it but i mean i spent enough time today getting from place to place I did not really go into, I don't think I went into the south building at all. What little time I spent today in the north building because of the traffic and the congestion and the the people, uh, frankly, was not all that fun. Well, and, you know, a lot of times at conventions, the time you spend in line, particularly boring, I'm sorry, even when you're talking with friends, talking with new people you've just met, uh, after the Killjoys panel, which ended... Oh, I guess 11.50, not quite noon. Uh, The autograph session was at 12.30, but at the Killjoys panel, those of us that could get the trading cards had gotten two packs, so 10 new cards. And then, of course, like I said, the first 75 of us got to go down to the booth to get in line for the autographs. We were all down there tearing into our trading cards and people would hold places for one another as we went around amongst ourselves, meeting new people and trading the trading cards. Mm -hmm. And I think that was probably the most fun I've had in autograph line in years. That's cool. You know, finding out who's a Doctor Who fan, who's an Orphan Black fan. And I think the Space Channel employees were having fun and just amazed seeing how much fun people were having, saying, oh, my God, I need a Claire. Oh, my gosh, do you have? Speaking of who's fans of who, one of the questions that I thought Nathan had a great answer to this morning was somebody trying is trying to convince their mom to, to watch Firefly. And it's like, how would you convince somebody who hasn't seen Fire, Firefly and Serenity to watch it? Nathan stopped and thought about it and basically said, in front of them, what I would do is I would take somebody who's seen, who's watched all the series and ask them, how upset were you when they canceled it? <laughs> and I'm like, that's a really good way to do it. And it would work for so many shows. Yes. But just yes. finding out who's interested in what and why. A lot of fun at these conventions. Yeah. After the uh, the that last panel, we met up with our, our friends again at the, the Batmobile. Uh, considered going to the Shatner thing, but that was later, and it's like, it's enough of a zoo that I think we were just kind of tired. Well, and we had been told people were going to line up at least an hour in advance for that one, that it might be hard to get into. We had been hearing lots of stories about it taking at least an hour to re-enter the building, and we just saw him a month ago. Yeah. So... I was kind of feeling like, as much as I really want to see him again and see him... I'm going to say in a more normal frame of mind. I didn't want to take seats from people who've never seen him. Fair enough. 
So we went out to have dinner. Now, I want to start by saying we're not going to name the place we had dinner at. Fair enough. I, I'm going to do them that favor because it was a good place. And not only was this convention going on, I believe there was a, a, a Blue, Blue Jays, Jays game. Blue Jays game going on, which is on like the other side of the convention center. Mm-hmm. And this was a place pretty much down the block across the street. Mm-hmm. They were packed. Every seat in the house was taken. We had to get a pager to get a table. And we got it, the table, though, within about 10, 15 minutes. We it did. wasn't too bad. It wasn't a bad wait, and it was before what most people would consider dinner time when they sat us. Yeah, we got in there a little early, well before uh, the convention let out by at least an hour or two. Yeah. We were in there by about 5 o'clock. I but, don't know when the game let out. But my point is, if they were packed that early, I can only imagine the day they've had, the crowd they've had, etc. Yeah. And again, not the first day of the convention. There was a Blue Jays game yesterday. So, again, like with San Diego, there comes a point where the wait staff at some of these restaurants, it's a grueling couple of days for them. Certainly in San Diego, I have no idea how this fares compared to a normal weekend or whatever for for toronto but we've got uh obviously the the gluten i've got the dairy uh food issues so we've got to order with that the waiter did a great job was able to answer the questions uh had to go check one or two things but that all went smoothly and uh, got us our drinks and then time elapses we had a wonderful conversation we did and we had plenty of time for it the guy then comes back very sheepishly uh, says and very apologetically uh, that there was a mix-up and after all the, the questions had gotten answered about our order and stuff, it had apparently gotten thrown away. So we wanted to double-check the order and he pretty much knew what it all was, just wanted to confirm with everybody to get it right, which I appreciate and he owned mm-hmm. up to the mistake. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he'd put a rush on it, it'd be right out. And we had, again, a great conversation with our friends, another good reason to go with a lot of people and spend the mm-hmm. day at different parts of the con to compare notes afterwards. Mm-hmm. And in fact, our friends had time to take notes on our wonderful long conversation. Yes, yes. And even take a photo with their phone of the notes because we had such a wonderful, long, detailed conversation. And eventually the food came out. And it was good food. It was fine. It was what we ordered and all that. But it was delivered by the manager no less yes because they realized things went not so good delivery wise delivery wise there was the mix up in the kitchen it it took a long time for our meal to get there and really it took about an hour a little over an hour yeah from the time we sat down not even the time we walked in yeah which i think was uncharacteristic for this chain hence not wanting to mention them and and yeah yeah um again i think the uh the the waiter Owned up to, hey, there were some problems. He tried to make sure everything was good. The manager comped us half the meal. Mm -hmm. Everyone Um, was very apologetic. They handled it very well. Yeah. Um, But that's also the difference, I think, between us just kind of taking it in stride versus what I've seen in other situations Mm -hmm. where people just almost flip out and and, uh, attack the, the waiter or whatever. How dare you? What's going on? Why isn't my food here? And just... Complain, complain, attack, 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 chill out a yes. little bit, I guess, is, is my only thing. Would I have liked to have had food earlier? Yes. Would I like to have had my drink refilled a little more often? Certainly. Did my stomach growl every time someone else's meal got carried past me? Possibly. Yes. I mean, but. <laughs> but it was excellent food when it came. It really was. And there's also no real advantage 
Mm-mm. to berating the uh, the waiter or something like that. Uh, who already very clearly knew oops, something went wrong. Oh, he felt so bad. It was obvious. So good place to eat. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anytime you're eating within arm's reach of a convention center during a major convention, particularly one that was as packed as mm-hmm. Fan Expo was today, mm-hmm. be patient when, you, when you're getting your meal. Mm-hmm. Figure it's going to take a little time. Figure mistakes may get made. People are human. Mm-hmm. Roll with it. Um, and frankly, I'll admit, if food had come out and it was it was not correct, I would have sent it back and had to wait a little longer. But, you know, hey, um, nature of the food allergies, too. All in all, it was a good day, but I did a lot of walking around, uh, was in a lot of, of crowds, which I'm just not a big fan of. Um, frustrated by the line management, but there were also other times when, the, like you said, when, okay, you can sit down for this part of the line. When it gets up, it moves, it's in, it's... They clear the room ahead of time, but they have enough time between panels to fill the room. Yeah, I wish I wish I understood better how to read the program. I wish I understood how to know how long panels are. I wish I understood how to glance at the program and know which are the paid events, which aren't. There are just things as a first-time attendee I don't understand, and I'm feeling my first-time attendee ignorance. I had time before the Nathan Fillion panel this morning to actually go through the Fan Expo official show program, which is, uh, how many pages is this beast? Oh, at least 60. It's only, it's 80 plus, thereabouts. And I was looking for a couple of things, and it's maybe from a design point of view very well laid out, but, you know, it took me a while to go find where the comic book panels were even located. They've got the Marvel stuff in embedded in what looks like an ad across from an ad for the Kubert School, which again, ads and stuff, not, not a problem. And then hidden a page or two later is all the DC ones. And then I'm like, okay, where are the descriptions for all the other comic book panels? Maybe they're in here somewhere. Maybe they're not. And it's like, you should just kind of know some stuff. And I think it's easy for a convention to fall into the trap of, well, you all have been here before, so you know what's going on. We just need what we're, what we're doing this year. I'm a first-time attendee here, knowing that they cleared rooms. And again, maybe it's spelled out in here somewhere, but it's so designy versus here's what you need to know just as a, a quick one-sheet uh, lay of the land type stuff, mm-hmm. you know. I want to scan in the ad for a Showcase because they put together a beautiful ad in there. And I can't think what page it's on, but it's gorgeous. Um Yes, that's the ad I'm talking about. It's got one face from Defiance and one face from each of their shows and just a beautiful color to it. And they've got a poster that's uh, more portrait laid out than it. And it's just striking. It's it's one of those where I was showing a friend it at the booth and their comment was, it's more striking if you watch all the shows than it is to someone who doesn't watch all of those shows. Because if you're a regular viewer, you recognize each of the faces. One of the things I would have done on this, and it's a, a nitpick, at the top you've got a, a kind of a collage of seven different faces. Um, kind of two on top, three, and then two if you look at the eye lines. At the bottom, you've got the names of the shows. You've got one row of four, another row of three. I would have put these logos in the same positions as their corresponding actor up above. Yeah. But that's that's for the ad. I think the layout of the 
the rest of the program. I want something that's quick access. And maybe this is also a nitpick on how they do the, uh, the layout of the retailers and the exhibitors and stuff. I want one of what's in the north building, what's in the south. Mm-hmm. I don't want to have to go through all of the different uh, uh, celebrities and such to know which are in Artist Alley versus what's along the wall of celebrities in the north building. Um, there are things they could do that would make this a lot more user-friendly. They've got, I think, a really good show here. They've got a lot of great stuff. Mm-hmm. But there's a learning curve to attending is how is. I feel. That's the best way to put it. I think what I know now, I would have planned out my days a little differently. I would try to do a little less bouncing between the buildings that I'm doing. I'm, I feel like I'm wasting a lot of time there. I'm also going to more panels than I usually do at a convention. So I'm spending more time sitting around or waiting in lines. But to me, that is I mean, it doesn't sound like it, but to me, that's an advantage of this convention. I'm able to get into more panels than I can at a lot of conventions. Fair point. I would not have tried for a lot of these. I I Mm -hmm. certainly wouldn't try for the Stephen Amell one in San Diego. No. I wouldn't have gone for the Nathan one, probably. So the fact I'm able to get in, you're right. Not. I'm not sure I would have tried for Dave Bautista in San Diego, even. Fair enough. I would agree with that. Um, and that's part of why I'm going to these. Exactly. The the opportunity to get into panels that in other environments, I know there would be such a crowd that I couldn't get into the room. I guess my point was more knowing what I know now at the end of Saturday. If I had known all of that. Thursday. Thursday before walking in the door. Mm-hmm. I would have certainly covered the North Building then. Yes. I would have definitely gone through artist alley then and i would have taken a much clearer look at which building what panels were in when and tried to do at most one crossing um at an opportune time when i had plenty of time to kill well i have the urge right now to say okay on the flight home i want to make notes to myself for if we do decide to come back next year, I want to make sure and remember X, Y, and Z. Even if we don't, it's worth getting, if when we get access to the, the map and stuff like that, it's a big enough uh, show. If we've got enough listeners that are planning on going or are Canadians or whatever, maybe we do an episode kind of giving our suggestions, having been here the once mm-hmm. and, uh, and the like. Don't know if we'll do that or not. Certainly, if listeners uh, chime in and say, hey, that's worth doing, we'll make note of it. Mm -hmm. I do want to mention there has been some excellent cosplay here. Yes. And one of the costumes I've seen, uh, two days at least, was one that very, very well done, looks very impressive, and not too expensive to make because it was all made with duct tape. And technically, I'm going to give the wrong uh, company name, so I guess I shouldn't give a name, but it uh, looks like a Starfleet um, Creo person, a Lego person, but with a Star Trek logo on them, but it's got the little Lego top to the person and the little Lego legs, but it's just made out of duct tape to make the shape oh. to create the Lego person. And it's got the black pants and it's got little knobby knees even shaped admit, onto it. Lego's got enough properties going on right now. I'm not up on all of them. I don't know particularly what their space one would be. It was Lego space when I was a kid, but that yeah. was like 30 years ago. See, and I'm thinking that Creo or some other 
Lego-ish uh, brand has the Star Trek if license if somebody has it. So I'm probably oh. giving the wrong brand credit that for may it. Be. Um, but anyways, it it looks like a Lego person in a Star Trek uniform, mm -hmm. but it was all made out of duct tape. And I thought, you know, that that's something that parents could help a kid do for a reasonable price. Yeah, I've seen some cosplay that is uh, definitely done on the affordable side. Others where it's clearly they spent a lot of time and effort. And some, which frankly, is they went to the Halloween store, they bought the costume, and they're done. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing right or wrong about that. Well, and this was affordable, but well done. I mean, because the way the duct tape is lined up, it looks like the lines of Lego bricks. So mm -hmm. it, it makes sense. So I've, I've seen a lot of cosplay, a lot of great stuff. I've seen some stuff I haven't seen in years in San Diego. Not to say it's not there, just that I haven't seen it. Mm -hmm. Uh a lot of Firefly stuff, obviously, with Nathan today. Gee, big surprise. A lot of uh, Stargate Atlantis. Uh, not much for SG-1, though, which is surprising. It was a longer-run show. Um, Lots of Doctor Who, of course. Obviously. I would expect the Doctor yeah, Who. Yeah. I see that a lot. Well, and with Matt Smith having been uh, here, but Farscape. being here. Saw mm -hmm. a couple of people dressed up as uh, Chiana, I think it was. Um, the one with the white uh, mm -hmm. and stuff. Uh I saw Batman today. I saw Kiss today. Number of Power Rangers. A lot of great stuff. A lot of Spider-Man's yeah. Deadpool. Deadpool's popular. Yeah. A couple of uh, Mr. Knight, that guise of Moon Knight. Um, so, yeah, a lot of great cosplay. Uh, I still think Dragon Con. Yeah, that's... The one that not only with the amount, but the the, the, the general quality of it. Mm -hmm. uh, if you're into cosplay, that would be a convention I would certainly suggest. This one... Obviously, it's a, a very popular uh, popular thing here. Yeah. So, I think that pretty much covers Saturday. Uh, we'll continue on for Sunday, the final day of the convention. Hopefully, we'll make it to the Stephen Amell panel. That's my goal. Uh, I'd like to go to the Bitten panel. I'm not determined for the autographs on that one, but I really want to go to the panel Space is doing. There were two other panels I was interested in on the comic track, but I can't find any description of them in the show program. So they're also in the uh, the South Building, whereas North is where Stephen Amell is going to be. So that may influence stuff. I want to finish walking the floor, particularly Artist Alley, uh, going outside by the author area, which is kind of hidden in the lobby um, uh, under the escalators and whatnot in the South Building. Uh, so doing that kind of stuff. We'll see. Mm-hmm. So anything else for tonight or we'll just uh, continue think, this on tomorrow? I think we're good for tonight. Cool. It is now about mm, 7.10 or whatever on Sunday. Uh, the Fan Expo Canada wrapped up uh, 5 o'clock this evening. And it was interesting because given how crowded it was yesterday... I was really a little worried about, you know, it's another weekend day, it's a, it's a holiday weekend, are more people going to come, how bad is it going to be? And it actually was a really nice day at the, the, the hall. There was quite a few people, I think, in the North Building, but really we didn't spend much of any time there in the exhibit hall area. Um, and all in all, I found uh, today to be a lot less crowded. The... Traffic flow was, was really not a problem as far as I could tell. No, when we first arrived and crossed the street and got in front of the building, the, 
at the end of the block where you first arrive in front of the convention center, there was this line wrapping around and curling. At first, I thought, is this a line of people trying to get for a shuttle bus or something? And we asked, and they said, this is the entrance line. And we thought, oh, my word. So we went back to the crosswalk guy, and we said, is there another entrance? And he said, yeah, over at the South Building. And we conferred and realized we all wanted to start the South Building anyways. Yeah. So instead of trying to enter through the North Building, we walked for less than five minutes on the outside to the South Building where virtually no one was lined up to enter. And we walked straight in and went right down into the hall, which had very few people inside. And it was a breeze, really. Well, and it was another couple of blocks to go walk outside. But all in all, it wound up, I think, being a lot less walking than if we had kind of snaked around in the convention center and gone through the the cross the the sky bridge or whatever so all in all i think that worked out really well yeah now i started the day going through artist alley because i hadn't done that now that was a a little bit of calculated choice to do that at the beginning of the day knowing there were going to be some artists that just weren't there yet that that weren't ready you know whatever it's it's sunday they're going to be tired whatever by and large didn't really have any issue with that um, I thought, one, it was a really big artist alley. They did a good job of having, I don't know, uh, eight or ten artists across the tables. And then they used the wall space well, so there was artists all along there. So I could zigzag very effectively. They had good end caps and everything. Uh, as far as a set, set up for artist alley, I thought it was really good, better than some other conventions I've been to. You know, with San Diego, where you always have those dead-end little alleys, it's like it's six people, three on each side. Is it worth going down? I'll just look down. I'll, I'll just walk by. That's not really fair to those guys. Mm-hmm. So I thought this was, was a good setup for that. Now, the one thing that really surprised me, and I pointed out to you later in the day, the artist alleys I've usually been in. You've got a table. You've got a chair or two for the artist. And then they've got a little room behind them. To set up, you know, some kind of a banner display, you know, post their wares, that kind of stuff. They seem to have that here, but the the artist alley seemed to be a little tighter packed. But what many of them did is on the table itself, they had some kind of piping arrangement or whatever where they could put up their lithographs or their prints or whatever. And many of them did it in a way where it was kind of almost like a facade or stage with a hole for them to kind of peek through and say, hey, I'm selling stuff. It reminded me almost like the in the, the Peanuts comic strip, Lucy's, you know, the psychiatrist is in sort of a deal. Mm-hmm. And when you've got people on both sides of an aisle doing that, it, it compresses the walkway, uh, or at least feels a lot more claustrophobic. Yeah. And it changes the dynamic between the person and the Mm-hmm. The stuff, um, and it was on the one hand, it was a little weird because you didn't really get to see some of the people as well, as as well. On the other hand, it was really cool because you could see the art really well. So I'm not saying it was good. I'm not saying it was bad. I'm saying it was different. And it would have been nice if they had little wider aisles to begin with. Uh, but by and large, I really enjoyed walking around the artist alley. There was uh, one or two things that kind of caught my eye. One guy had been doing. Uh, Oh, shoot, I forget exactly what he said, but some, some artwork connected to like the Man of Steel movie and stuff like that. Just phenomenal work. And it was available for sale, but uh, 
I realized if I had to ask the price, I probably didn't want to be paying it because, you know, I'm cheap. Uh, but it was beautiful stuff. Um, he'd also worked on like gargoyles and some other things. So that was a lot of fun. Uh, it really did not take long to go through Artist Alley. If it took me an hour, I would be amazed. I'm thinking it was more like 45 minutes. You know, a lot of it was anime stuff or uh, more, I don't say arts and crafts, but you know. Well, I was going to say there was quite a bit of handmade stuff down at the far end yeah. of Art Sally going into uh, some of the silver work. And um, you're right, arts and crafts is not the term for it, but just things that blew your mind with wow i know this didn't come out of a factory but it's such great quality that i'm almost tempted to think it did custom uh christmas ornaments or, yeah uh, jewelry or things of that nature mm -hmm. i'm sifting through my backpack here there it is one of the things i did notice was something called uh galaxion which uh, is some comics. They had trades there. They had, I think, uh, $12, $12 each or all three for 30 I was tempted by it until I realized it is a web comic, which I can be trying for free and then ordering directly from them. It's like, okay, I'll try this because it seems like a, a Star Trek-ish sort of a thing. Mm -hmm. But if I've got the ability to, to go sample it and stuff, I'll definitely do that. Um, and frankly, there was nobody behind the booth at the time to, to ask questions to, which is unfortunate. But again, early on a Sunday and some of these people just need to go, you know, either grab something to, to eat or drink or whatever. So it's not not uh, any knock on them that they didn't happen to be there at the exact moment I walked by. Um, so I did that and then I had time to walk about half the hall uh, what I did is I zigzagged through everything but the back uh, block of booths because those tended not to line up with the other stuff really well. Actually, no, I take it back. I uh, The last two blocks. The things that I could zigzag very easily, I did to about half the room. And then I guess I met you over at the um, the panel for uh, Forbidden. Yeah, Forbidden. Uh, Bitten is a show here on Space Channel. What's mm -hmm. it airing on in the States? Sci-fi. Sci-fi, okay. Mm -hmm. uh, lead there is Laura Vandevoort, who was on V, who was Supergirl in Smallville. Uh, she's got a, a excellent cast she's working with. She does, you know, terrific actress. She is. And they. this was uh, hosted by Inner Space. Yes. Teddy, who had hosted a lot of the the solo star panels in the other building that I'd been to, you know, Matt Smith, uh, Nathan Fillion, and such, was one of them. And then AJ was was co-hosting the thing with them. And this, I guess, was more sponsored by Interspace because it's on their or space. Interspace was hosting this. It was sponsored by the Space Channel because it's on their channel. How how was that working? Well, in space. The feeling I got was space kind of had this room. Okay, so it was their and room. That's what it felt like. Because okay. the shows that were on Space Channel all were in this one room. Got it. And at the beginning of panels that were on Space Channel, you get a little teaser commercial that was a clips from shows that air on space. Okay. Just kind of rapid fire. Here's a reminder in case you've forgotten what shows we air. Shows and movies. 
shows, movies, yeah, you name it. The reason I say that is there was a couple of shots in Aethophilian that I'm pretty sure were from Slither, not from Castle or Firefly. Mm. Yeah, and there's a shot from Troy in one of the, yeah. It was it was a nice reel. It was some good stuff. Mm-hmm. And then they showed the season finale of the first season. And then they brought in the cast and stuff. Well, the final seconds the final from the season. few seconds, you're right, yeah. you're right. Not the whole thing. Just yeah. the, the um, end scene. Yeah. Kind of a, and this is where we left the show. And then they, uh, for each panel, they had the entire cast come in from the back of the room and uh, kind of run down to appear on stage. It was a little interesting because the first two guys were really hamming it up doing, I don't want to say dance moves, but something. Uh, epileptic seizures, maybe. I, I don't know. <laughs> playing to the crowd. Playing to the crowd. We'll go with playing to the crowd. Um, but that was, that was funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a fun panel. I haven't watched the show at all. Have you? I've been recording it and trying to figure out. Because it was one of those ones that the moment I saw it, I'm like, I get the feeling this is going to be one I want to marathon through. And I don't know what it was about that first commercial that made me say, this is not going to be standalone episodes. This is going to be builds up storyline. And they said something in the panel that explained why I got that feeling. And that was when they said, this is based on a novel. Right. So they're going through the bitten novel by Kelly Armstrong. And they said, what, there's like 13 novels? There are 13 novels in this series. So they've got plenty of source material to be drawing from. Yeah. That's great. Mm -hmm. This is a show that, frankly, I think I'm going to want you to marathon. And then let me know if I can stomach because well, it looks like it's it, it vampire, not vampires, uh, werewolves, werewolves, which is uh, supernatural. It's got the potential, particularly with the werewolves, of being a little potentially more gory than I would care for. Yeah, um, from the commercials I've seen, they don't go that way. But from what they were saying on the panel, they might. The scene so, they showed had me wondering. Yeah. So I'm going to have to sit down and watch it and see. Yeah. But that was a, a fun panel. At the end of it, they gave the uh, some more of the space deck cards. We've talked about that on yeah, the previous. They gave out this. space deck cards. Uh, they had a trivia contest at the end to give out prizes right. to the audience. And you know, I want to say that the fans that come to Fan Expo, everybody we've met, they've been the most courteous, nicest convention goers I think I've met at any convention, really. I'm sure there are a couple exceptions to to prove the rule order. Yes, but by and large. The way I would categorize this fan base uh, that we've seen is incredibly generous and truly passionate about what they love Mm -hmm. and trying to share that love. Yeah, definitely. Because at one point, somebody asked the question of, you know, I haven't watched any of this. How would you sell me on this show? Yeah. And there was kind of the the joking, you know, Laura Vandervoort pointing to the the, the door at the end, kind of, uh, you know, you haven't shown, you know. But they also then got a a really good answer. Yeah. After a little teasing and ribbing, a good answer was given. And during the trivia contest, when they said, okay, as a prize, we have the complete first season on DVD. And the trivia question is, someone screamed out, give it to the newbie. And the entire crowd applauded and started screaming, give it to the newbie. It's like you've got the DVD set. We know there's somebody who hasn't seen it. 
And it's basically a show, of, a, a huge show of support for the show mm-hmm. of if you give it to them, they will like it. Yes, yes. And the airspace hosts just kind of looked at each other and said, and the trivia question will now not be asked because the crowd has spoken and we know who this is going to. Yeah, it's a kind of, okay, done. I, I thought they handled that very well. And again, yes. I, I've been very pleased with the airspace uh, yeah. crew. Yeah. Uh, most of, of what I've seen was Teddy, but AJ uh, did very well mm-hmm. uh, for himself there. And I was very proud of the entire audience in that room for supporting the newbie, for wanting that person to see the show, mm-hmm. and for applauding the person who called out, give it to the newbie. At some conventions, there's very much, I want my loot. Yes. I want my swag. I want my stuff. Here, it's very much, it's cool when people get the stuff, if they get it even better, but not, that's not like the primary thing. No, here it was very much a, it should go to whoever will enjoy and appreciate it the most. Well, and if it can expand the audience of who enjoys and appreciates the show, that's the best. Yeah. And I've definitely gotten that sense kind of overall because there have been a number of questions. And the Nathan Fillion one of how would you, you know, pitch Firefly to somebody who hasn't seen it? How would you sell your property to get another audience member that hasn't, you know? Mm-hmm. And the, the the question itself, again, from the lady who hadn't seen it, w- was going on the assumption you've got solid work. Yes. How do we get other people involved in that, you know, yeah. to, to partake of it and enjoy it? It it goes on the assumption that this is all worth being fans of. Yes. Um, and I like that. I think that's great. Well, and later I was down at the space booth and I had all of my own duplicate space deck cards. Our friends had left the building for lunch. So I had all of their cards. I had all of your duplicate cards. And we had all agreed Trade for what we need, give away everything we don't. Mm -hmm. We don't want to leave the convention with anything but our own full decks. Let's get back to that when we get to later in the day, because I thought that was... Well, I can, but what I was going to say is I ended up just giving cards to people at that point. Well, I guess what I was going to say is... is Because I didn't know later in the day would happen. (laughs) Yes. There was was, uh, one... Well, we'll get to later yeah. in the day with the two sides of that table. Yes, yes. Um, so after we did that, we headed over to the uh, the, the North Building for Stephen Amell. Mm-hmm. And that really it was dirt simple to get across. There was no traffic problems. The crowds weren't bad at all. Mm-mm. I was very pleased with that. Um, we then got there and it's like, yep, there's a line. It's outside. It's like, hmm, do we want to do that? Do we want to do that? Well, we're over here. Let's go ahead and do that. Worst case, we don't get in. Whatever. Let's let's see how that experience goes. Mm-hmm. And the the line was outside. And they told us that the room held well over two thousand people, and they were confident we would get in. Well, the person inside hadn't seen the line outside, so they weren't sure. But they they were reasonably. It was more of a how bad could it be kind of a situation. Mm-hmm. The person outside hadn't seen the line inside, didn't know what was going on there, so he could neither one would commit. Both thought our chances were really good. And it turns out to be because what happened is the line was kind of part of the, the street that had been barricaded off. And it kind of went halfway down the block, double back to, to where we were almost back to the entrance there. 
once it started moving, it just kept moving. And they, they shuttled people directly in. And now when we were going back into the convention center from the street there across the curb uh, in the sidewalk, there were still people crossing the sidewalk. And that part of the land line management maybe could have done a little better, but it, it wasn't too bad. Um, it wasn't chaotic, but it also wasn't a problem you have sometimes in San Diego where everything comes to a dead stop so a line can cross in total or some such or both ways have issues. Yeah. And this will, again, this worked. So we got shuttled down the escalator and I swear while we were there, I was overhearing a, a guy a little behind us basically saying, yeah, oh wait, I'm, I'm running this panel in about five minutes. Why are they still bringing people in? I thought we should have filled the room by now. Hmm. Could be my imagination. He could have been talking the other room. Don't know. But we got in. There was still plenty of seating for Stephen Amell. I think we got decent seats. Mm -hmm. We were off uh, kind of on stage left a bit. So, you know, f facing the stage way off on the right, but not all the way to the right. No, we were well centered on one of the monitors. Yeah. Good view of the monitors. Um, so, I mean, there was there was room to spare, but it was also plenty full. Mm -hmm. So good good sized crowd. And... He came out, did, I thought, a, a really good panel. Morgan from Inner Space, uh, she was the moderator for this, uh, had some good questions to mm -hmm. kick things off, pointed out where the mics were again, one on far stage left, one on far stage right, and got to where they would take a question from, from stage right. She'd ask a question, question from stage left, back, forth. And it gave her a chance to ask quite a few really good questions and follow-ups to, to other things or whatever. But it also reduced the tennis match ping pong kind of aspect mm, mm -hmm. because like with, with uh, Nathan Fillion, he was basically doing 180s all the time. Yeah. You know, and I'm surprised he didn't get dizzy. Um, but Stephen Mel had some, some really good answers, was funny, was entertaining, um, and seems to very much be there for his fans and appreciate the fans. And I also like that he seems to have a really good appreciation for the fact it's not just him and the actors it takes the entire cast and crew and and so forth to put these things together he he mentioned specifically a few times the focus puller yes and this is the guy whose job is on these cameras i mean they're not using an autofocus movie camera they're they're focusing they've measured the thing out etc and i guess the guy who played vertigo would dive around move around a lot and was a very uh, spontaneous actor, I guess would be the way he, he seemed to be getting depicted, um, which the focus guy had to be just kind of dealing with on the fly. And Stephen said, you know, it doesn't matter if you give this brilliant performance if it's out of focus. Mm -hmm. And th that kind of explained why that comment had been made and how at one point he had read a script, knew the guy was coming back, mentioned it to the guy, the, the focus guy. And he said, oh, man. So it was it got some good anecdotes, mm -hmm. some, some good stuff. Well, and at one point, someone asked him if he would do the uh, opening monologue to the show. And he did it. He apologized for not having the current version uh, memorized separately, if you will, from the original version. But what I loved was how he ended it. Yes, he's basically I am Oliver Queen, yada, 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 previously on Arrow. <laughs> yes. But he hit the point where it, the, the, the script changed from season one to season two, and that's, it's like, well, which one am I doing? 
which was hilarious given that earlier we were saying part of why he can be on Twitter, be on Facebook and all that as much as he is, is because he really learns his lines really quickly. It's not a big deal for him. Mm-hmm. To which I'm thinking, well, dude, put this down on like a business card or an index card, something right before you go out on stage for these things. Boom. Look at it. You're good. You're, you're done. Mm-hmm. At one point during the panel, he realized he had something in his bag with him that he would like to show the audience and share with them. So he jumped up out of his chair. He bent over to get it out of his bag. And after a moment, he realized what the camera was showing the audience on the monitors and what the audience was staring at, not letting him know that the whole crowd was seeing and apparently enjoying. And he quickly stood up, turned around, and gave the entire audience this beautifully chastising look. Kind of like, you just did that, didn't you? <laughs> yes. <laughs> but not, yeah, it was, it was funny. He's... He has a great sense of humor. He plays well with the audience. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's definitely seeming to enjoy this time in his life which is great yes um, yes and he was talking about having been taught and having learned from others the role and the responsibility of being the first cast member on the call sheet how you've got to make the the guest stars feel comfortable feel welcome make sure they're getting their best performance out and just you're not there to be the star of the show, but to be uh, quarterback's not quite the right term either. But I was thinking patriarch. The patriarch, the face of the show, the mm-hmm. the the kind of the go-to guy, the the leader, mm-hmm. if you will. Yeah, the one who welcomes the guest stars and makes sure they feel part of the team for the week. Well, to set the tone for the show. Yeah, definitely. More spiritually, if anything else. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is something that. Uh, Tom Cruise does on his films because he's he's the star or whatever. But there's also been a couple of stories that have come out on just kind of the the, the price of that. You know, one of them for uh, uh, Edge of Tomorrow was there was one day they were doing the filming in the uh, the plane carrier thing and they're getting bounced around and all that. It's hot. It's sweaty. It's frankly pretty miserable. And uh, Emily Blunt, the co-star, was kind of you know, oh, this kind of stinks, doesn't it? It's rough. And, and he can't just start complaining because if he does, it's now it's open season. Mm-hmm. You know, but but basically, yes, it's a challenge or whatever. But he realized that in that kind of a role, you can either make it a good day or a not so good day. Mm-hmm. And Stephen Amell very much is doing things like this convention, what he's doing, you know, being interactive with the fans as as uh i don't say a sense of responsibility or duty for the show but out of kind of it's the right thing to do for Mm -hmm. the show he has an understanding of his role and an appreciation for it well and and again of the fans somebody had asked the will you say my name and you have failed the city Mm -hmm. and he mentioned that that line the writers had thought was just like a first season thing and it just really wasn't used second season He'd been getting questions on, I guess, Facebook or Twitter of, of what's up with that. So he relayed that to the the writers, the producers, and it's coming back. Because he's, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, first season thing. Huh, really? Okay. You know, mm-hmm. and kind of he was, I don't say acting as intermediary for the fans to the production company and whatnot, but he was. Yeah. And I think the show is, is the better for it. 
Yes. So he he uh, acquitted himself well, I thought. Mm-hmm. Did a really good job there. Uh, people seemed happy. Uh, as we were leaving the panel, he was taking a selfie of himself in the crowd, which he had said earlier. He would Yes, do. yes. It was a very good hour. Yeah. And it went, I think, for the, the full hour. Yeah, definitely. And he would have gone... He, he got to the point where he was told only like one more question. He's like, "No, no, I can do six. Was he rapid fire? Rapid I can fire. do six. We'll just just blitz through that." And then somebody started. Well, you had this really emotional scene with so and so in episode sixteen, and then in episode seventeen, an emotional scene with so and so, and then in eighteen, and he's like, "Yeah, we're not going to get through six. <laughs> yes. There is an art to asking questions, and sometimes you need a little bit of a lead up or whatever, but sometimes you don't. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was fun. After that, I guess we headed back mm-hmm. to the uh, the South Building and uh, and did lunch actually. Mm-hmm. And we again plenty of places to sit in that food court. We did it over by the one by Artist Alley this time because uh, they've got two food courts there. And uh, since you know sushi better than I do, you were going and fetching that while I was staking out a, a place at the table. And um, two people dressed up as Power Rangers came by and wanted to sit i'm like well of course because i'm wearing my my power rangers 25th or 20th anniversary shirt uh one was dressed up as the original green ranger and the other is the original uh mighty morphin pink ranger excellent costumes they were very nice uh they were a pleasure to talk with um they are apparently part of the community of power ranger fans and collectors in canada even gave me a business card for that which i'm gonna check out the facebook page and such for um but they were asking, you know, about San Diego because you know, we mentioned we'd been there and we talked about, you know, what did you like about the show so far? It was just a really enjoyable uh, way to, to spend lunch, chatting with other fans and such. Uh, sometimes it's obvious what you have in, in common, sometimes not so much. Uh, but it was it was a lot of fun. Um, mm-hmm. Again, the the quality of those costumes. I had seen them, I think, earlier over in the lobby at, in the North Building. Uh, I think I had seen the the pink ranger there because it was a very vibrant pink. It's it not, was not 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 easy to miss. But they afterwards were posing for photos for everybody and stuff like that, and they they seemed to be having a great time. Mm-hmm. Um, so what else did we do after that? Um, Today we finally found that's right the roving shield and hydra card makers when you were with me. Actually, I think we did that first thing in the morning because we, we headed did. over to the uh, the space booth to yes to get raffle tickets to get raffle because tickets because today we knew that the giveaway being done in the afternoon is a raffle you need tickets for. Last time when we were told, oh yeah, come in the afternoon for the giveaway. We showed up in the afternoon for the giveaway and they started calling out raffle numbers. And we're like, what? And I said, oh yeah, you were supposed to get a ticket in the morning. Well, how come when they kept saying come back for the giveaway, they didn't say get a ticket? Oh, everybody knows that's how space does it. Really? Uh, oops. They're, they're, and I don't, having been to San Diego so much for years and such, I don't know how much of a problem this is there. There is a little bit of, everyone knows how this, this convention runs. Yeah, and I mean, for all I know, there is stuff that I take for granted that I know about San Diego. There probably is. Certainly there's aspects of where the rooms are, how the aisles are numbered, and that kind of stuff I take for granted and know. But do they clear the rooms out or not? How, you, how certain booths run their, their panels, their raffles, and stuff like that? Come on. 
Well, I mean, San Diego, I know which booths sell books and which booths give them away. Yeah, I guess I'd just like to see things a little more accessible, a little more obvious for for newcomers or for Mm -hmm. full people. Either way, we got there. I didn't notice the uh, the shield thing when we got there, but as we were leaving, we turn around and bam, it's like right there. So I actually got a uh, a shield uh, card. Uh, so I've I've got uh, level one covert ops, and I am actually an agent of Hydra. Uh, yes, they they very graciously accepted a hug in exchange from me, not you, for a second ID card. I think if I'd given them a hug, I definitely would have gotten Hydra, but not Agent. <laughs> Lackey of Hydra. Um, but it was one of those things, you know, we wanted to, and the guy's like, well, you have to stand in line a second time so we can get to the other people. It's like, that's, that's fine. The people behind me, no, no, let them go ahead. It's like, that's cool, too. Yeah, the people behind you thought it was hilarious. You wanted both cards, and they kept saying, yeah, do it for him, do it for him. He's going to be an agent? That's awesome. Yeah. Again, it's a supportive fan community here. I love that. It is. Um, And later I saw them, because like we said, it's a roaming podium that moves about the hall. Later we saw them. Someone had crocheted a Groot. I wound up seeing that later in the day when we were back at the space booth. Yes. um, Baby Groot in a flower pot, because of course can't crochet a 20 foot no. tall Groot so although we did see some costumes of Groot yes but when you're gonna crochet Groot you yeah. make a sapling Groot I can understand that um and this one was this one danced to you are my sunshine always oh, adorable um but they had made a uh, agent of shield Groot ID card with baby Groot's photo and it was oh it was adorable so yeah we both uh, wound up with the uh uh, Hydra and Shield cards. If, if I remember, I'll scan them in, put them up on the forum. Uh, but that was that was a fun thing for them to do uh, to promote the yeah DVDs coming out and stuff for both uh, I guess Captain America and Agents of Shield. Yeah, uh, both of which I guess come out on September 9th. We'll see if this episode gets up before then. So that was that was fun. We did that. What else did we do? I finished walking the hall uh, around that part in the afternoon. Um, you were going, I think, trading some, some cards. Yeah. Well, and yeah, from probably about two thirty to three thirty or four, I was around the space booth. Just like I said, I had the spares and dupes from all of us and I was over at the booth just trading cards and giving cards away because we'd agreed. None of us wants to take duplicates home. There's no point. So just yeah. give them to anyone who will enjoy them, appreciate them, fill our deck with them. Now the, and the first priority was filling out other people's decks. Yeah. If definitely want a complete set or give them the gaps yeah. they're missing that they're definitely. interested in. Um, but like there were two little kids in line to get, a photo taken with Morgan, the airspace host. And I had Morgan's trading card. So I gave them the card to get Morgan to autograph. And, oh, they were, you know, jumping up and down, excited, thrilled. Cool. And they saw that I had a card for AJ, too. Oh, can we please have AJ even though he's not here? Yeah, of course. And, oh, I, I suddenly was some grand hero. It was amazing. Um, so, yeah, so that that was kind of fun, making people happy, just giving away cards we didn't need to fill out our sets because we'd gotten lucky and already succeeded in doing that now 
at four o'clock at that point, I, I joined back up with you mm-hmm. after roaming the aisles and, and whatnot. And that's when they were doing the raffle and mm-hmm. such. Uh, so we all had our raffle tickets from early in the morning. And our group, uh, between you, me, and the, uh, uh, Erica and Linda, uh, actually, actually, that whole little section of the, the uh, group of people in front of the – because they've got you know a whole group of people in front of the booth, but there's one little quadrant that I think about two-thirds of the winners were in. And then Seemed like a few it. people scattered here and there. But we were in that area, so I was okay with that. <laughs> yeah, and there you go. So um, – Let's see. Uh, Erica won some stuff. You won some stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't. I don't think Linda did. No, the guy right behind Erica won some stuff, and he was so excited to get forward that he accidentally nudged Erica, and she started oh, yeah. she tripping. Just, she almost fell over. It's one of those. Once you lose your balance with like a bag or a backpack, mm. and you're not careful, it's like a. Mm. She didn't fall. No, which, thankfully. Yeah, which is good. But we wound up uh, leaving there because we did a little trading with because uh, I think Erica already had. Uh, Erica won season two of Orphan Black on DVD, but she already had it. Right. So we traded her for something that we had uh, gotten elsewhere. Uh, I won season one of Orphan Black on DVD and I won the Bitten novel. And the Doctor and, Who Salt and Pepper Shaker. Yes, and had no use for a Salt and Pepper Shaker, so we traded it with the guy behind us who had won a Doctor Who book. Um, who's fifty? Yeah, who's fifty? The fifty Doctor Who stories to watch before you die. Um, and it's written by a number of people, uh, including some of the ones who I think have been connected with the show. Covers the first eleven Doctors. Of course, there's only so far. Well, I guess it's Sunday, maybe two episodes now of, of the, the 12th Doctor. Um, so I'm looking forward to that because all of the who I've watched has been more recent. Not all. The majority has been the more recent, really from the uh, 8th Doctor forward with bits and pieces here and there of some early ones. You know, when some of the Doctors would mm-hmm. need, I've watched some of that. But whether they're the quote-unquote right ones or, or not, yeah. hell, I don't know. Let's let's find out. Um Again, I want to get you into Doctor Who. It's a rich narrative universe. One it is the longest uh, ongoing sci-fi show. Granted, fifty years they took about eighteen off. Yeah. Well, and Erica also won a Doctor Who uh, comic book. Yeah. Which and a uh, space T-shirt. Yeah. So I mean, these um, goodie bags that the raffle was for were excellent i was blown away again space was very generous did a great job with that seemed to really uh please their their fan base there and then they had some of the leftover space deck packs so they started throwing them out to the crowd oh wow it's like here's 50 here's here's 50 packs what five in each or something and just lob it out. And there are a couple of times. It's like, you know, I'm thinking when it circles around and hits you in the back of the neck. I don't care if it draws blood or not. That should have been mine. <laughs> I think when the bag flies through the the yeah, pack flies through the air and somehow manages to land on top of my bag and falling into it, it's mine. And fortunately, most of the people were cool with that. But there oh, were, they were. There was a bit of they would fly, they would land, and then people would dive for the ground. Yes, and there were several people who just stayed on the ground. Erica was smart, was one of those, and, and we got quite a few. And mm-hmm. the fun thing was at, 
at, at the end of all this, we opened all the packs, we sorted the things, made sure we had what we needed. And then, okay, you other people, what do you need? What do you got? What do you want? And we just started giving them away. Now, this is what I was referring to earlier because that was at one end. That was oh yes, facing the space panel. That was on the, the left end of yeah. their tables. We were simply giving them away. We were trading because we had one friend. Now, I will say this was the blessing and the curse of how space had been doing the get the packs up until now. One of the things you had to do was tweet a picture of your favorite card. Okay, the pro and the con of that was then all of your friends knew you were getting these space deck cards and they started messaging you with, oh my, I want, want. that. So Which is we, part of the goal of them. I suppose so, but we started getting requests from people in other states back home saying, oh, if you can, can you get me this? Can you get me that? Yeah. Can you get me the other? And we're like, oh my. So we were making sure we had what we needed, but we had tons of extras. Oh yeah. Ones that even earlier in the day seemed hard to come by yes yes and there was unlimited irony to the fact that three hours ago i was trading like crazy to get a card that now i had five of yeah but we wound up getting everything we wanted Mm -hmm. and leaving seating to other people who were still there yes give these to whoever wants them take ownership of this but you know let's let's Mm -hmm. get people happy that was happening on one side of the table and at the far other end of, of kind of that arc of tables there were other people who'd been there, gotten all these free things, and were busy sorting. They weren't trading. Yeah, there was somebody who was one card shy, not counting the, it's limited to 50. and Yeah, yeah, okay, so we're not counting that. They were one card shy of a complete set. And we realized, okay, we don't have that one card to finish them off. So I circled over to the other side, and I said, I'm just curious, do you have this one card are you willing to trade forks over on the other side we are trading and we wondered oh no we're not trading we're sorting and i get some people want their stuff all that and whatnot but totally good with it i was just i mean given the number of cards that gone out at that point i was surprised they were definitively not trading and the son or the youngest male in the group i'll put it that way looked at me and he said I think we'll be trading eventually. Kind of the, I see that we have six of the card you want. I can't imagine. We have more than we could possibly need. Yeah. Yeah. But there are some people it's like, and hopefully, and I didn't see much of this here, but other conventions, the San Diego being one of them, just due to the nature of the premiums and stuff, people are going after those things to get them to flip the money to pay for the trip. Yeah. Whereas here, I thought there was a lot more love of the material. Let's share that. Mm-hmm. And again, the actual trading of these cards. Well, and because I had no idea that the just fling them was de- definitely going to happen. I mean, I suspected at the end of the day they would do something. But you never want to rely on that. No. You know, but what I had done once I'd done all of the trading, I knew we had everything we needed. And I'm like, I still have these dupes that we don't want. I went over by the poster that showed the pictures of all the cards 
And as people who didn't have the lanyards, they identified them as collectors or people who had been able to get the cards, I should say, would come over and say, God, I just wish I could have gotten. I'd say, oh, here, I have it. Why don't you take it? Mm -hmm. Somebody would say, oh, I'm so looking forward to Z Nation coming on the air. I wish I could have gotten those three cards. Oh, here, I happen to have the three of them. Take them. And I would just give out whatever I had. Oh, you're a fan of Bitten? Here, this is why I have a Bitten. Take the set. I don't know if the people running the space booth noticed that or not. I've, I've got to imagine some of them might have, but it, it it was very cool of you to do that, and it benefited them for you to be doing that because I'm sure a lot of people walked away thinking, wow, I went to their booth. I wanted something. They just handed it to me. I'm, I'm good. Well, I know on the other side of the booth at one point somebody did mistake me for a space employee and told me space was the coolest company for doing this. Thank you. And I'm like, oh, okay, sure. Bye. But it's <laughs> I'm one like, of those things. Nothing space? else you can say is something I think I was, uh, we were aware of it. We, mm-hmm. you know, but no real personal connection to the brand, the company, whatever. Uh, I'm a bit of a fan of, of not, yeah. never having watched Inner Space. I'm a fan of those hosts based on how they did at this convention. Yes. The fact that Space had these cards and all of this stuff uh, and we're you know, throwing them away. And part of it is, yeah, there's the go do this, go do this, go to this panel to get this, whatever. A little bit of the jump through hoops, but it's also, oh, yeah, that's when this panel is. And I did want to go to that. Okay, that works. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like they were twisting your arm to give, get the, uh, you know, mystery prize or whatever. You're very upfront. You do these things, you'll get this reward. Yeah. Uh, and it, it got their message out there. It's mutually beneficial. It was, it made sense. It was great. So, I mean, to me, they were one of the, um, I don't say the big winner or whatever of the convention, but but certainly something I came out with a very positive impression of. Yeah. Um, I was I was very pleased with that. Well, and to the same end, I was very happy with the experiences I had over at the showcase booth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did well too. I loved the big banner they had with all the faces. I loved seeing the Defiance car and the props they had on display. I loved my pocket Jamie. The, the Pocket Jamie is a cardboard cutout of the Jamie character, I guess, from uh, Outlander. From Outlander. I don't know who plays him, but uh, I'd like to see Michael Shanks play, I don't know, his cousin or something, because they, they look a little alike. Yeah, I can see that. So, yes. But, by and large, uh, very friendly uh, people behind the booze, very friendly uh, fans. Uh, there were no traffic problems today. I looked a little closer at some of the back issues. I was trying to see if I could find some of the Nikolai Dante trades and, of course, struck out, which I expected. Um, and one thing I noticed, and this is probably just my my ignorance, it felt like the back issue prices were a little high. Mm. Now, they may be totally reasonable. I'm just not up on the back issue market. I don't spend much time there. I don't know how the pricing is in Canada versus the U.S., even though the exchange rate is not exactly one-to-one, but it's close enough. I mean, you're either going to pay the exchange rate fee or do, you know, whatever. Um, regardless, there was plenty of stuff to, to find and choose from for back issues. If you had wanted the full run of the Marvel handbook, of the, the official handbook of the Marvel Universe, deluxe edition or original edition, boom, it's there. You know, they, they had complete runs. They had a lot of back issues. They had a lot of trades, hardcovers. There was plenty of comic stuff to be had, mm-hmm. uh, variant covers, non-variant covers, the, the whole gambit. I was I was very pleased with that. Um, 
they used the lobby space well at this convention. That's where they had some of the authors. We did that round today. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things that surprised me there was we saw, I forgot his name, J.P. LaRue, maybe. I don't know. He was an a- he is an actor, character actor. We I, I'd seen him in Aaron Stone and a few other things. He's been in a lot of stuff. Uh, and is one that I think many people would recognize because he had on a, on the poster behind him, I don't know, dozen, two dozen shows he's he's done bit parts in. Mm-hmm. Terrific stuff. He's just out there behind a table, had half a dozen people he was chatting with and stuff, versus, you know, the big autograph line or the big celebrity thing. He's just, yeah. yeah. So I thought that was really cool. Um, and just again, the, the usage of the space. They, they had plenty of places to go sit down. I was never, oh, God, if I could just find a chair. Normally, not only could I find a chair, be it in, like, the, the food court, I could usually find a good comfy chair somewhere. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, not a recliner type thing, but, you know, like you would find in a, a hotel lobby or some such. Um, so that was that, – that I like that. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a certain point where my feet are tired uh, yeah. and just worn out. Um, well, the convention has a lot of walking. I'd say the food and drinks, both within the convention center and just in Toronto, are a little more expensive than San Diego, for instance. I would definitely say so, because uh, the dinner we got uh, this evening was over $25, mm-hmm. and it was two hamburgers. Yeah. Now, we went to Hero Certified Burger again, because I really liked it. And I, I indulged a little. I got the egg patty. I got the bacon. Got the gluten free bun. That added another three or four bucks to my burger right there, you know. And it was about an eight dollar because I got the eight ounce. It was it was a mm. big burger. It was delicious. Great stuff. If you're in anywhere that has a Hero certified burger and you like burgers, check it out. I think it's worth doing. Be a hero. Certify the burger. Be a hero. Certify the burger. Uh, and make sure you've got a, a healthy checkbook. Um, because again, it cost a couple of bucks, but I think Toronto is just a little bit of an expensive city. The guy at for food, Casa Loma was saying it was like the 20th most expensive place yes. to live. Yes. And we're in downtown. Yeah. Um, but the hotel is less expensive. I think the hotel during Comic-Con. Yes. So going to the price comparison point, which is for San Diego. Yeah. yeah. During San Diego Comic-Con. San Diego Comic-Con hotel rooms are exorbitant. Mm-hmm. Uh, the hotel room here, I'm not going to say is cheap, Mm-mm. but it is reasonable for a downtown mm-hmm. major metropolitan you know, metropolis like Toronto is. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have treated us exceedingly well. Yes, I like to be a low maintenance kind of a person as a hotel guest, but we've we've I don't want to say badgered. I want to say talked, <laughs> uh, inquired numerous times. You know, hey, you know, because the the we're, we're uh, out of Hilton. We're part of the Diamond uh, uh, frequent stayer thing, but the executive lounge is closed for the holiday weekend. They're like, oh yeah, we can take care of you down here. So we've we've done that. Hey, can we have a soda? Hey, how do we get to the? You know, where's the nearest Hero Burger? How do we get to the convention center? Things like that. They have been exceedingly uh, great about everything we've asked, including how are we going to get to the, the airport in the morning? Yeah. Um, so uh, Stephanie and uh, uh, I think it was Trisha. I think so. Uh, and if I got the names wrong, I apologize. The, the The ladies we've been dealing with at the front desk have just been awesome. The entire staff here has been great. Um, and having Wi-Fi, having all of that has been really nice. 
I would say the location here is incredibly convenient to a lot of things. It's a good five, six block walk to convention center, or at least down to the Royal York, which is another block or two. Yeah. But so, I mean, we'll say six blocks. So we're walking a bit more just to get to the convention center. Um, it's not like we're right on top of it. But again, we're also far enough away that, you know, when there was the big band playing at the the sports thing on the other side, we didn't have any problem with that. Yeah. Uh, plenty of great hotels, but I think the price we're paying, totally reasonable. We're getting great, great treatment. Certainly cheaper than San Diego during Comic-Con. Yeah. Food here, I think we're paying more than we would have we would we did pay in san diego um Mm -hmm. and it's funny because twice we've done hero burger we've done uh some other sit down type places um nothing i would say uber fancy Mm -mm. um but some of the prices we've been paying are more indicative of a higher quality restaurant in a in a non-toronto place i guess certainly in austin we, we wouldn't have paid this much no um, and San Diego, we just got real lucky with the sushi place we found. Yes, yes. Among other places. Tin Fish was a little expensive, but not too bad. But it was also right there at the convention center. Yeah. So in terms of which is the cheaper place to go? Well, and the badges for our two badges combined was $245 roughly. Thereabouts, yeah. So For the four days. Four days. Versus, I think it's 200 in San Diego for Comic-Con. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, we had flights to get up here. Yeah. But, you know, we had hotel and, and car versus we would have had a flight anyways to get to San Diego if we hadn't driven. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that really is going to depend where you're at, how you're traveling, and, and whatnot. Um, so there were aspects of this that I think were cheaper, aspects that I think were a little more expensive. I think there's the potential at this kind of a convention to uh, really pay a lot more if you're into celebrity signings, photo ops, the VIP sessions and stuff like that, which I'm not. I think a person could definitely, definitely go through their budget in a hurry. And this is definitely a convention where you need to write down what you're spending. I recommend that for any convention you go to, even if it's just one in your hometown for the afternoon. Track what you're spending your money. It's amazing how quick cash can fly out of your wallet. And I mean, I heard some teenagers commenting, I really wanted the photo op, but I had to settle for the autograph because the autograph was 60 and the photo op was 85. Mm -hmm. And just, I mean, the concept of the amounts of money that you can easily spend at a convention like this is... Spend what you can afford. Definitely. But but track your spending, even if afterwards you ignore the list. It's a good habit to get into. And it, if you hang on to those, it gives you the ability to next year say, well, about how much should I budget for this? Oh, I spent these sorts of things. Well, that's uh, I want to do that sort of a th- that photo op again, but different different person maybe. Or I'm going to eat again. Oh, how much was that? Oh, okay. I better budget around that. Mode. Or that was a one-time deal. I'm not going to need that sort of a collectible again or whatever. Or... Maybe you do. Well, and I mean, you know, 15, 20 years ago, it was easy to impulse. Oh, okay, I'll, I'll do $5 for this autograph. That's not a big deal. And an hour or two later, well, you know, I'll impulse this autograph. It's not that big a deal. And at the end of the day, you've impulse bought, you know, five or six autographs and at $5 each. That does add up. 
the more prone you are to impulse purchasing, the more I, I recommend the writing it down. Yeah. If no other reason, it slows you down a little. And mm. it, again, it allows you to track your impulses. Yeah. And there's nothing right or wrong about where people spend oh, money. Oh, definitely. It's just being aware of exactly. where it went. Knowledge is power. Yeah. That way you can budget accordingly. You can you can know how much you've got left, mm-hmm. know when you need to hit the ATM and why. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's just a smart thing to do. Well, and I definitely encourage people to go to the panels for these people that they're interested in getting autographs from or the photo ops with. Because just getting an impression of what these people are like can be just as meaningful and just as fulfilling. Well, and sometimes you can appreciate their work more when you realize they really are having to act to, yes. to be the character they are. Either they're not mm-hmm. that much of a jerk or they are that much of a jerk and they're acting not that or, you know, yeah. most of everyone I, I saw today, it's like they were really cool people. Yes. Now, they're actors. Maybe they're just fooling me. But, you know, hey, I'll, I'll, I'll go with it. Well, at the uh, panel we went to this morning for a Stephen Amell. No. Bitten. Oh, Bitten. Sorry. Uh, somebody asked if the actors had ever fought between them on set, if they'd ever disagreed. And as a joke, while one of the actors is giving a thought-out, serious answer, one of the other actors stands up, takes off his jacket. He's ready to throw down right then. It's all bets are off. He's had enough with this crew. It was funny. He's picking on the other actor on the other side of him and he's just, you know, challenging him, take off your jacket and somebody calls out, take off your shirts, do it right and he looks at the other guys he's pretending to reach for a shirt and they're like nah, fight's over, never mind. And then Laura Vandervoort says, yeah, I put up with this all the time. <laughs> it was funny. <laughs> and it was a classic yeah, they're actors, they can pretend to fight on cue you get a feel for their sense of humor yes there was one time in san diego for i guess it was a mutant x panel where uh what was his name um oh. jesse march jesse ford uh i know who you're thinking of he was the blonde guy who had the ability to phase through objects and he had managed to duck off the stage and get in line to ask a question yes. to one of his co-stars. Yes. And they're like, when did that happen? Yes, he got up to the mic and he did a great bouncing up on his toes fanboy. Me, me. Ooh, 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 I got a question. My question, my, my question is... Uh, Can I have a hug? Yeah, it was... Hilarious. It was brilliant. He did a great job and it was funny. Um, so getting those kinds of... If, Getting a sense of the actor is mm-hmm. part of what I love about these conventions and doing it within the same zip code as uh, as the person versus Hall H. Now, granted, the uh, the room 105 here, that uh, constitutional, is gargantuan um, in terms of it's very wide, not very deep. Um, it's, it's a very different experience than Hall H or even Ballroom 20 or even the Indigo Ballroom in San Diego. They are able to take a, a large crowd and still give it the feel of a more intimate mm-hmm. one-on-one, you know, between them and the, the moderator, whatever session. Um, so cost-wise, I think, you know, San Diego's a little more. This is not cheap, and there's the international travel for us. Um, but in terms of accessibility to a lot of these people in panels and stuff like that and uh, you actually went and talked to J- Edward James almost after that panel and stuff. Yeah. 
it's a great, great opportunity. I think uh, Dragon Con has, uh, when we went, had similar opportunities. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are other shows that, you know, wizard shows and stuff like that. Um, it's one of those things that if you want to go to a convention, stop and think about why. Yes. You're looking for back issues. You're looking for video games. You're looking for uh, artists to buy commissions off of or original art from. You're looking to, to interact with celebrities. Do you want the autographs? Do you want to learn more about shows? Do you want to learn more about writing? What do you want to know? And shop around for the convention that best suits that. This is a show that if I had only come for Saturday, I think I would have left here really I don't, not, not disgruntled. But man, it's too crowded. I don't like it. The panels are great, but yeah. Then I would say if I'd only go on for Thursday, Friday, and Sunday, I would have had a while. The, the the crowds here are a breeze. There's there's no problem whatsoever. Yeah. So even within a given uh, show or given convention within a given year, depending where you're at, when is really going to color your experience. Mm-hmm. Um. Right now, the the. South building I like a lot more than the north just because every time it was in the north in the hall, it was was too crowded. Well, and for me, again, comparing to my experience and how I deal, I guess I would say, with San Diego, this is a more leisurely convention for me. At San Diego, there's always so much going on that I want to do. I forever feel like I'm trying to rush to get somewhere or rushing from somewhere to somewhere something, getting up early, staying up too late. It's the what am I not getting done now that I wanted to get done. Yeah. This has enough panels, there's something to do, enough things, there's stuff to walk around and go see, but not, oh my God, oh my God, I I missed this, I'm not getting this done. Yeah, there's more I could have done, there's more I would have enjoyed, there are opportunities I know I didn't take advantage of, but I didn't constantly feel like oh my god i need to be running i need to be pushing or stressing and i was never bored there were never dead times i would agree with that this one kept me engaged and entertained throughout i spent a little more time in lines and whatnot but that was by choice to make sure i would get into the rooms and do what i wanted to do there was never any gosh there's just nothing to do and sometimes even in San Diego, I'll hit a point where, you know, there's not a single panel this afternoon I'm interested in. They don't all the kids stuff or it's all horror. It's all, you know, something mm-hmm. that just I don't want. I, mm-hmm. Not in my wheelhouse. Yes. And with 30 panels going on over the course of a full afternoon, each hour or whatever, it's like, that's pretty impressive. But part of it's also I'm too tired. I don't want to go hike four blocks or, you know, eight blocks to that. With this, if and when I come back. Planning when I spend time in each of the two buildings a little better would be on my list. But this is one that because they had the places where I could sit down, I could pace myself, I could jot some notes down to, oh, I want to mention this on the podcast or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was very pleased with that. It had, again, a, a good size uh, uh, exhibit hall. I really barely, I think, scratched the surface of what was available in the North Hall. There's, I think, plenty of reason to come back. Am I willing to say, oh, yeah, definitely I'm coming back out? Honestly, international travel, uh, getting the time off from work, you know, all that kind of stuff. Certainly not going to rule it out. I love this convention. Mm -hmm. It's well worth coming to. Yes. If you are Canadian and you are remotely near Toronto and you're into this stuff and you're not coming, man, come on. Yeah. 
Ottawa's not that far away. Montreal's not that far away. Yeah. Uh, you guys, at least within a city, have a good public transportation system here in Canada. I don't know about between cities, but it, it's worth coming down for. It Definitely. And definitely. It was a wonderful weekend, in my opinion. Hell, if I was uh, in Chicago, like the Chans are, the New York City area, somewhere in in that part of the U.S., I would certainly be much more likely to come back. We're in Austin, Texas, so it's a bit of a trek. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm very glad I made it. I really enjoyed getting the feel of this convention, this fan base, and kind of Canadian uh, uh, flavor of a convention. Mm-hmm. Uh, how nice the people are. Uh, some of the shows that, that they're getting exposed to that we don't get as much exposure to. They're on Ion. They're on a few channels. They're sometimes a little harder to find. You know, Bitten is on uh, on Sci-Fi. I totally didn't realize that. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and, and Toronto is just a great town to visit. It is definitely. It, it's one I could definitely see spending some more time in um, and, and getting to 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 reacquaint myself with better. Because uh, twenty years ago, I spent a lot of time up here for work. The other downside, though, is we did all of this on foot. Mm. And just the walking around in the convention center, uh, to and from dinner, the hotels, all that kind of stuff, my feet are tired. I'm grateful I did not bring a pedometer. Yeah, same here. I, I would have uh, would have broken it. Um, but yeah, this is, a, this is a terrific convention. There are a couple of things here and there that could have been handled better, but I think the biggest, really all of those come down to they had a very wildly successful Saturday. Yes. More successful than the venue could really cope with. Yeah. And as far as problems go, that's not a bad one to have. Yeah. I hope they can solve it. Yes, yes. But that was where a lot of my frustrations kind of came from yesterday. Uh, Today and previous days, there was none of that. They do a good job getting the guests. They do a great job with the panels. Uh, When the lines move, they move fast. When they don't, you can sit down. Yes. That's a big, that is a big deal. Yeah. They have chairs. They 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 had a really well stocked artist alley, a vendor area, food court. Mm-hmm. This is one that uh, certainly not for me an every year kind of a day uh, convention or thing. Once or twice a decade certainly seems in in the cards, possibly. You know, and again, like I said, if you're in the area, it's worth going to. Yeah, I think they've put together a very good convention here. Yeah, and I would say this year was was a, a big success for them. Yeah. Um, I don't know what their personal goals were for this convention. I got exposed to a couple of new shows. I got aware of uh, uh, some new properties. Uh, got to interact uh, in in a panel setting with some of the, uh, you know, the the celebrities and such. I think it was a big win. Yeah. Now, anything else? Does that pretty much do it? I think that does it. Cool. The show notes and form for this podcast can be found at www.comicbookpage.com under the podcast and forum sections of the website. Please email us at theguys at comicbookpage.com and let us know what you think of what was discussed in this episode. Thanks for listening.